You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson, proudly serving as the host of this program. We've got a lot to get into on today's show recapping the weekend that was in the wide 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 world of sports Auburn football picks up their third victory of the season their first in the SEC defeating Missouri 17 to 14 in overtime Auburn now all time with a 9 and 8 record in games that go an extra period of play on the football gridiron their ninth one in overtime in Auburn football history this past Saturday. We'll recap that. We'll talk about the weekend that was across the wide world of sports as we saw the Atlanta Falcons win a game yesterday. The Atlanta Braves have won two in a row as they're trying to close in on first place in the National League Eastern Division. And it officially starts race week as Talladega will be taking place this upcoming Sunday. We will have loads of coverage as NASCAR comes to our state We'll have some fun interviews coming up throughout the week as well that you'll be able to listen to here on Tiger 95.9 FM. Again, my name is JJ Jackson. On today's program, we're going to have birthdays and sports, a nightly TV guide. We'll have best and worst of the weekend. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will join us at 4.30 as he does every Monday during football season. So we've got a lot to dive right into, and we'll do that right now here on the program. JJ, Tom, Brant, and Cam on today's edition of Sports Call. Mr. Tom Peavy. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm good. And uh, overall, a good weekend. Uh, The listeners out there couldn't see it when you first said Auburn got a victory. I went over here and air quoted victory (laughs) because... It's it's a non-loss. Yeah, it's, it's a, a non-loss. non-loss. It's a yeah. Someone a someone way. had to win the game. That's a good no. way to put that, Brant. Um, <laughs> non-loss. Yeah, that that's one of those. Uh, that, that's one of those. That there's going to be forever a W <laughs> right there in that win column. But <laughs> we Auburn, all know Auburn did nothing to win that game. Missouri did everything to lose that game. Oh, if man. it was if it was not for just a complete ineptitude by Missouri. Oh. A if couple mi- of times. If, if Missouri, yeah, well, if Mizzou didn't Mizzou, Auburn yeah. would have Auburned. Well, so so let's. I know we're going to dive. Auburn in. Jesus is real. We're going to dive all Auburn in. Auburn Jesus is so real. So real. But I mean, Missouri. Why they decide at, at the end of regular at the end of regulation? Why do you? Why do you elect to try to let the run the clock run out instead of just punching Go, it in? Yeah, put it in. I get it. You got an All American kicker. So it, it is little more than an extra point. It's little more than an extra point with an All-American kicker. If there, if there is a best player, quote-unquote, on Missouri's team, it is their kicker. And then he misses. So then you go to overtime. 
Auburn misses a field goal, but Missouri jumps off sides to give Auburn another chance. So then Auburn does knock that one through. And then Missouri runs a, a, a play around the left side. The dude's walking into the end zone and decides to stretch the ball out with one hand. And, of course, the ball just squirts right out of his fingertips and gets recovered. If he doesn't do that, he just he goes into the end zone. Or at least he takes a shot and he's yeah, down at the one-inch exactly. line. And it wasn't even like a must-score situation either. They were right. second and five. All he had to do, I mean, even if you go It would have been bounce, first and goal from the one. It would have been first and goal sure. from the one. All you had to do is try. You had three attempts to, to if, punch it in. If he puts two hands on the ball and dives to the pylon, he, he scores. Yeah, that's probably a touchdown. If, if Even if he just keeps it tucked and lowers his shoulder, he still might get knocked into the end zone. But he decides to stretch it out with one hand and it, it – it squirted out of his hands like a wet bar of soap. So that's how that game ended. Auburn did nothing to win that game, and it's a, and it was a continuation of of just bad play. But then also second half play by Auburn is just some abysmal, of the most abysmal man. football that you could ever imagine. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, the talent gap is a big reason. I think there's a big issues with uh, with adjustments being made at halftime. And, and and now, you know, when you really start looking at that trend of second-half problems, you have to wonder about the strength and conditioning program. You know, why are these guys that bad? Why do these guys look that gassed? Why, why do they just look so completely tired, overwhelmed, and inept when you get to the fourth quarter of a game? You have to start looking at the strength and conditioning program on that, and it's, you know, along with everything else. So, um Terrible Auburn game, a win, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. All right, but uh, it's just delaying the inevitable. I, I think everybody understands that, unless Auburn just goes on some Crazy just ridiculous dare. magical run that they have no business doing. I don't think I. I thought Auburn originally could beat LSU, but I don't think Auburn can beat LSU this weekend. Georgia, that's going to be a bloodbath, and then I think that would be the end of Harson. But I, I really think he's delayed the inevitable. Uh, if Missouri had pulled out that win on either of their chances that they had to win, I honestly don't think that we'd be sitting here right now with Harson as our head coach. I think he would have been fired after the game. Auburn a winner today, or excuse me, on Saturday by a score of seventeen to fourteen in overtime. As the Tigers are now three and one overall on the season, they are one and zero in SEC play. They host. The LSU Tigers, Saturday night, 6 o'clock Central kickoff. You can watch the game on ESPN with Joe Tessitore, Greg McElroy on the call, or we encourage you to listen to the radio broadcast, FM Talk 93.9, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, alongside Stan White. So Auburn, 3-1 and one now on the year. Brant Daughtry is here with us on the program. Hi, Brant. How are you? Hello, JJ. Um, Pat Dye has been attributed with a quote talking about a football game where two bad teams play each other and I can't remember what what two teams he was talking about I can't remember if Auburn was involved or not but he said it was like watching two mules fight over a turnip and, and I think that applies pretty well here uh you had two pretty bad football teams going at it especially on offense I mean I, Auburn's defense is good Auburn's defense played pretty well yeah. uh, all things considered but also consider the competition you know but Missouri's not great um. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with y'all uh, on a lot of what you said. Um, the lack of the inability to score uh, in the second half of games has been an issue since really the Ole Miss game last year, which Auburn won that game, but and that was probably the the biggest feather in Brian Harson's cap to this point. But man, it, it, that it's bad, and 
you know, I keep going back to, I, I had this thought, I don't care if the father comes to play quarterback, the son lines up a tailback next to him, and his favorite wide receiver is the Holy Spirit. Until you get five guys on the offensive line that can block, you're not going to have success. The, it, Auburn's offensive line is bad. And by the way, the Tate Johnson is now down for at least six weeks, maybe yep. the entire yeah, season. Surgery six, on his shoulder. Yep. Yep. So, elbow surgery. Oh, I thought it says shoulder. Yeah, elbow surgery. Elbow. Either way, he's out for maybe the entire season, at least most of it. Uh, and so you're on to your guy who is supposed to be your third-string center this year. There's going to, you know, I, I, something's got to change, and it's probably not going to change this it's year. About to get ugly. Uh, it's it's going to be bad. Georgia is going to be a bloodbath. Um, I don't know. It's college football, so you never know what can happen. Um, Derek Hall, defensive lineman of the week in the SEC, well-deserved. He had a great game. He had a great, great game. game. He had very, two, very what, two sacks, five yeah. tackles, three for loss, and, and an interception and that pick. was – Really, really athletic yeah. for for a guy his size uh, and a great run back as well. Um, so congratulations to Derek Hall um, for winning that. Well deserved. Auburn finally with two turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned the Derek Hall interception, and then of course a fumble recovery by Caden Bridges in overtime on the final play of the game. Auburn did win the turnover battle two to zero, uh, which they had yet to do this season. So that was a big win for Absolutely. Auburn in this one against Missouri. Camberry, yeah. how are you? Could you guess how I'm doing, JJ? I would hope that you're doing well. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I really am. Could, do you know why I'm big doing Big win for well? the Falcons a yesterday. A very big win for the Falcons yesterday. One and two I, on the year. One and two on the year. Probably should be two and one on the year. Uh, but very happy with the win. Uh, seems like the Falcons have the run game going. It seems the offense, if we can just clean up just a few mistakes, that the Falcons are are not looking too bad. And, I, and I'm really, really happy about that. Just A lot of people just said that this team was going to be absolutely terrible, and it we don't look absolutely terrible. And I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, Braves are within a game and a half of the Mets for the NL East lead. So uh, it seems like if we can you know sweep uh, the, the Nationals, early this week, then uh, it's going to come down to that three-game series at the end of the week with the Mets at home in Truist. So that's going to be a big, big one. Uh, Super-duper excited about that. So I'm doing great. Yeah. One and two, and, and we're we're going to try and push for two and two against the Browns this week. A really cool moment today as well. The Atlanta Braves did get the opportunity to go visit the White House as President Joe Biden welcomed Atlanta for winning their 2021 World Series. So uh, these baseball players getting to see them in their Sunday best suit and tie all dolled up as they got a chance to go uh, to the White House. Brian Snitker uh, looked so giddy, as he should be. A, a heart, I mean, that's a baseball lifer right there. Everyone dreams of getting to take your team to the White House as a World Series champion, and the Braves were able to do that today uh, as President Joe Biden recognized them. But again, Auburn wins 17-14 as uh, the second half featured a lot of punts, fellas. A lot <laughs> well, yeah, of three and outs. Yeah. Jack Stonehouse well. for Missouri. Eight punts for 384 yards, 48 yards per punt, one touchback, and three inside the 20. Oscar Chapman, eight punts for Auburn. So both guys, eight punts each. Chapman two yards shorter in distance on average than Jack Stonehouse, but he did not have a single touchback and also had three punts pinned inside the 20. So 16 Combined punts in Auburn's game against Missouri. That kid had a 70-yarder too, didn't he? Yeah. He absolutely laid into one. That he was did pretty, indeed. pretty impressive. He did indeed. Yeah, that was uh, what a performance by those guys. I hope that they had a nice ass 
Stonehouse. Ice bath. There you go. Add, add <laughs> ass. Ass. I don't know how nice. ass came out there in that sequence, but an ice bath after the fact. Uh, we, you know, I, talk, I mentioned how bad the second half was. Credit our, our guy Justin Hokinson that uh, his you know friend of the show been on here quite a bit has compiled a lot of stats for a, a story that he did and it is a free story so I feel like I can reference it while make you know go for it breaking a paywall down. Um, uh, he basically breaking down Auburn's second half uh, offense over the last seven Power Five games plus Houston in the bowl game, eleven for fifty six on third downs. Uh he says two times likely to turn the ball over than score a touchdown, eight times more likely to punt than score a touchdown. He has a whole bunch of other stats on here, but then just the really bad one that, uh, again, Justin Hokinson uh, uh, compiling some stats here. Uh, Auburn has zero fourth-quarter third-down conversions in their last four Power 5 games plus the bowl game against Houston. They're 0 for 16 on third down in the fourth quarter against South Carolina, Alabama, Houston, Penn State, and Missouri. That's bad. That's real bad. That, I mean, very, you very, almost have to try to be bad. that bad. Yeah. It's Well, I think it comes down to, and I, I'm going to list a stat here that's available through Pro Football Focus, the Auburn's offensive line is terrible. Oh, it's, it's been terrible it since last year. Oh. Or it's, it's been terrible since 2018, really. Yeah. Um, but it, a stat that I saw earlier, Tank Bigsby was credited with 62 rush yards after contact. And he only had 40 He had something. 44 <laughs> in the he had 44 positive <laughs> rush yards. That's a whole lot of getting it in the backfield yeah. and fighting your way back to the line. Credit to Tank that those 2-yard losses ended up being 0 yards, but man, that's bad. So bad. That's man. really, really bad. Where the second you touch the ball, immediately you're getting yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you that goes where to go. That goes back to what I said, and, and not just me, but a lot of people in the preseason said, everybody, you know, this offensive line—they're all veterans. You know, it should be better. It's like they've been terrible since they got here. I don't know why people expected I, them to suddenly be good. I will say this: after being hot garbage for five, four or five years that they've been here, they're not going to suddenly become good. They're just a group of veteran linemen that are all just really bad. I think. I seeing. honestly think they've gotten worse. I th- the guys not. who the guys who started last year are worse than they were last year. We'll continue to talk about Auburn football as they get set for a game against LSU this upcoming weekend. But we've got to take our first time out on today's show. This is Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry on this Monday. We hope that you're doing well. Again, Jason Caldwell set to join our show in a little over an hour, as he does on Mondays throughout football season. And we're going to take your phone calls here on the Auburn Bank phone line. But before we do any of that, we need to take this opportunity to celebrate some birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Oh, yes. Birthdays in Sports. Here we go. Birthdays in Sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. 
Stop by your local Max Credit Union location, two convenient locations, one in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road for all your banking needs. How about Serena Williams, fellas? Serena Williams is turning 41 years old today, a pro tennis player, recently retired, 23-time singles major winner, 73 career singles titles, WTA world number one for 319 weeks in total. Of course, the three-times doubles Olympic gold medalist has won the singles gold medal in the Olympics in 2012 and again, recently retired following her exit from the U.S. Open earlier this month. Serena Williams, an all-time legend, turning 41 years old today. Absolute legend. I, I have made it known how little I really care about tennis on this show, but you've got to give Serena Williams props. I don't think there's ever been a more dominant athlete in their sport than what Serena Williams has done over the past several years. True. Baller. Absolute baller. And if uh, you haven't got a chance to see King Richard... Uh, starring Will Smith, who portrays Serena and Venus's father. It's a really, really good movie. Uh, talking about their upbringing and dominating the tennis world. Serena Williams turning 41. TJ Hushmanzada turning 45 years old. A former NFL wide receiver drafted in the seventh round of the 2001 draft by the Bengals. Also played in his career for the Seahawks, Ravens, and Raiders. An NFL co-receptions leader in 2007, a season that he spent as a pro bowler. 44 career NFL receiving touchdowns and played two years of college football at Oregon State. TJ Huseman-Zada is turning 45 years old. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is turning 29. A former NBA small forward drafted number two overall in the 2012 NBA draft by the Charlotte Bobcats. He played with Charlotte from the draft until 2020, also played with the Mavericks. One year of college basketball at Kentucky, where he won the NCAA championship. Very ugly de- uh, jump shot, yeah. I should oh say. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but a really good defender, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, if you look at it, the number two overall pick, kind of a bust. Didn't he have like a shot that like actually spun uh, like horizontally almost? The like, way it shouldn't, yes. Right. Exactly it, it, right. It spun sideways. It's like this. And his elbow yeah. was point turned in the wrong way. And, yeah, it was and, weird. Uh, shooting yeah. form was awful. MKG, but, 29 years old today. But does it go in? Not, not, not a lot. All right, never mind. All right, never mind. Yeah, known as a defender at the next level. Yeah. National champion with the Kentucky Wildcats. Sean Doolittle is turning 36, an MLB relief pitcher for the Nationals, selected in the first round of the 2007 MLB draft, actually as a position player, but made his debut in the bigs as a pitcher. He's a two-time All-Star World Series champion for the Nationals in 2019, and he played college baseball for the Virginia Cavaliers as a starting pitcher and first baseman. Sean Doolittle is 36 years old. He got some kind of oddball names in there today. Kid Gilchrist, Hushmanzada, Doolittle. Yeah, we're having some fun. Uh, Chris Archer is turning 34, MLB pitcher for the Twins, drafted out of high school in 2006 by the Indians, made his MLB debut in 2012 with the Rays, two-time All-Star, World Baseball Classic gold medal winner in 2017. He has also played Major League games with the Rays, Pirates, and Twins. Chris Archer turning 34 years old. Dave Martinez is an MLB manager of the Nationals, a former MLB outfielder as a player. His playing days featured him wearing a Cubs, Expos, Reds, Giants, White Sox, Devil Rays, Rangers, Blue Jays, and Braves. He was a coach for the Rays and Cubs and the Nationals manager since 2018. Two-time World Series champion as a coach. Once 
with the Cubs in 2016, and then once a World Series champion manager of the Washington Nationals in 2019. Dave Martinez is 58 years old today. That is our birthdays in sports, brought to you by Max Credit Union. Here today, September 26th, we're celebrating the birthdays of Serena Williams, TJ Huzmanzada, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Sean Doolittle, Chris Archer, and Dave Martinez. If it is your birthday, happy birthday to you. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com. For more information, your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, as we take this opportunity to go to our phone lines for the first time today. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us on the show. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, you know, I consider you guys friends. And I respect all what you say. So I say this with all due respect, uh, Mr. J.J. You at the opening segment of today's session said, Auburn did what? Defeated Missouri. I need to correct you on that, please. <laughs> all right. Uh, there we go. There, there are alternative facts, and then there's the truth. Uh, we did not defeat Missouri. Missouri defeated Missouri. Agreed. Yep. So uh, with that said... I heard all your comments, guys. Yeah, they, they, yeah. It was a, a a wacky game there at the end. But you you've wacky? said before. Yeah, I mean, Steve, you've wacky? said before, stats and numbers don't lie. Only those that interpret them do. And Auburn had more points on the numbers than Missouri did. Yeah. Well, uh, so much for those stats. Uh, <laughs> I just like throwing back one of your famous quotes right at you. It was uh, a very very ugly football game. Auburn should feel ugly. yucky after that one. Ugly. That's another statement. My friends, that was brutal, okay? However, I do have a quote for you, and uh, I don't know who said it, but it was a former Auburn coach, and here's what they said. Anyone can be an Alabama fan. you got to be damn tough to be an Auburn fan. And with that said, guys, I heard some of the stats, and this is how bad our offense really, really is that I just want to, I guess, believe otherwise. Because I said, well, these are experienced seniors, uh, on the line here. Surely they there got to be some improvement. But here's what Nathan Keene found. And I heard you had some uh, stats from Justin Hokinson. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, Justin okay. Hokinson. Well, let, let me pile on then, okay? Uh, just for the fun of it. According to Nathan Keene, Auburn's last six second halves against Power 5 opponents were followed. Zero points, six points, three points, three points, Six points, zero points. Now, uh, if you want to really pile it on, he comes up with this interesting bit of nauseating information. Auburn has not scored more than six points in the second half against a Power 5 team since when, guys? You want to take a guess or not? What, what was the stat again? Okay. Auburn has not scored more than six points in the second half against a Power 5 team since its win at... <clears throat> Uh, at South Carolina last year? No. No. I don't know. October what... 16th was the date. I don't remember which game that was. Arkansas. Arkansas, okay. Yeah. That that was it. Well, that makes now, sense because, yeah, because we blew a lead against South Carolina because we were inept in the second half and couldn't do anything. Yeah. Now, this is how, to me, it's I, – I, I hate it for, for, for Tane Bigsby. He probably should have gone ahead and gone to a different team. You know – 
he only got, of course, 44 yards. You know how many rushing yards we got in the second half of the game? Not many. Very, very few. Try this lucky number. 13. <sighs> yep. 13, guys, against – this wasn't against the LSU or Georgia or Alabama defenses. Oh, no. This is against the vaunted defense of Missouri. Yeah. Auburn's offense is bad. It's bad. Uh, I don't even know what to make of this, guys. Now, what I'm going to say pains me. But at the end of the game, as we, you know, near the end of the game, and they were going you know, to the three-yard line, I, I said to myself, my daughter agreed, my son agreed, he said, let it end here. Let it end here. And let them go ahead and let Harson go and the rest of the coaching staff, so the misery will no longer, you know, just prolong itself. And they they wouldn't do it. My son said the football gods wanted to play around with us because that should have been a loss, guy. Uh, in fact, I still don't know why Drinkowitz didn't at least try to score a touchdown with less than a minute left, you know, in the game and just run it in. They would have scored, right, guys? Maybe I I, I think so. Uh... In his defense, now, I personally would have kept trying to punch it in. I would not have run the clock down. However, in his defense, they have one of the best kicker, if not the best kicker in the entire country. And at that short a distance, you kind of look at it and you're like, listen, we have an All-American kicker that is not going to miss this, basically an extra point. Why are we going to take the chance on potentially fumbling the ball here at the end zone when we have an All-American kicker that is going to hit a 20-yard field goal. I mean, come on. He's All-American. He's the, it's the best kicker in the country. He doesn't miss 20-yard field goals. So let's go ahead and not take the chance on fumbling the ball. Go ahead and set things up for our All-American can't-miss kicker to kick a 20-yard field goal. Yeah, Auburn Jesus and, had other plans. And he missed it. Auburn Jesus had yeah. other plans. He but, said, Phew. you know, I just go up coach my life. I said, okay, at least he had one shot. If you don't make it, then okay, fine. Uh, they're going in for the field goal. Sure. Uh, that's, uh, that's not, no, me personally, uh, I would have tried to punch it in. But I understand where Dr- Eli Drinkowitz, I understand the train of thought there. Now, listen to the middle of the Yeah, we're going to try and reestablish that connection with retired Wardam Steve there. Steve, if you want to, call us back. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 I think Steve's anger got him <laughs> caught up in a wormhole somewhere. Something happened like there. Just, Something yeah, happened he, there, and that did in, not sound uh, great. He, he went into another dimension there. Let's, uh, let's use this as an excuse to take our next break that we need to get to. Sports Call continues. Tiger 95.9 FM. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys.
Back on the program, it's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. Your thoughts are welcome. Give us a call, 334-887-3401. Let's go back to the phone lines. Ward damn Steve. All right, we've got Steve back on the horn. Hey there, Steve. Hi, guys. I'm not through. Uh, you know, I'll call back. Yeah. Came All back right. from the other so, dimension. Yes. Uh, mark my word. Okay. I said it earlier, and I'm sticking to it. I said that if we win by three points or less, what did I say, guys? That we will not win another SEC game, right? Right. Right. Okay, I'm sticking to that. All right. Now, Might not win another game completely. Well, well, Western Kentucky is nothing. Hold on, to... Tom. Tom, you, you, you're taking my, my, my win here. <laughs> one, one other, one other make, mark my word. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we will not probably win any more games for the rest of the season, and that includes the paycheck game of West Kentucky. Now, why do you say that, people are saying, Steve? We know you're crazy. Why are you that crazy? Well, I'm not crazy because uh, if you don't know it, now you do, according to Brad Law. Do you know what uh, West Kentucky did this past weekend to the team they played? 73 to nothing. No. 73 to something. 7 to 6 to nothing. 76 to nothing. Oh, 76 to nothing. Yeah. Yes. Who was their opponent? I think it was Tulsa, wasn't it? Oh. Somebody like that, yeah. Uh, That was incredible. So if they can score 76 points, guys, we can't score that many points. No, we're looking. It was Steve. It was seventy-three nothing. It was. I was right the first time. They won seventy-three to nothing against FIU. Okay, FIU. That's right. Okay, yep. seventy-three right. to nothing against FIU. Well, and, and Steve, here's the thing. And I, and I talked to a friend of mine about them. They, and they're a team. The reason they score that many points, they have that type of offense that likes to just throw it all around the field, dink, dunk, dink, dunk. And that's one thing Auburn's not going to be able to stop. Auburn is lucky to score twenty-one points a game, but then also. You also got to think about it. if you get to that point of the season and you have and you're winless, if, <laughs> then Harson will have already been fired. You'll be having an interim coach in there. Uh, the recipe, Basically the rest of the season the, doesn't matter. The the, re, the recipe for losing to Western Kentucky would be right there out in the open. So that's my next question, guys. When does this end? Uh, so all right. So my you're talking about with Harson, right? Yes. When does this? So, so my personal opinion, my personal. <laughs> when you get good offensive linemen, it doesn't well, matter who the head coach is, and I'm not trying to defend Brian Harson, but it's not going to end this year. It's probably not going to be any better next year. It's going to take a minute. But the play calling, guys, fourth and less than a yard, and you do what? You, you try to K-Bixby. run it up the middle, which you, you, which you had worked K-Bixby three times out of three when you tied it earlier line. in the game. But you put Tank Bisley five yards behind the line, and, and he was getting. Uh, where do you want him? You're in the I formation. That's where you go when you're trying to go short yardage. I, I do no, think it, I do think it's funny that Robert Griffin's like, whatever you do, don't hand it to the guy that's five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and that's exactly what they did. Why are you trusting Robert Griffin the third? He's terrible. This is funny. The announcer's like, just whatever you do, don't do that. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you do on that play. The offensive line can't block it up, yeah, so it's probably not going to work anyway. Uh, Surprise we got That's it. the biggest issue at Auburn right now. And look, I, I'm for getting rid of Brian Harson at this point. I don't think it would be one thing if it was, man, the team's not good, but at least it looks like it's going to get better. It doesn't look like it's going to get better. So I'm all for moving on. It looks no, like it looks like it's that. gonna be the bye week, Steve. If if, if Brian week, Harson yeah. gets fired, it's gonna be the week after Ole Miss. Well it, it has to be before the the, the the recruiting period, which is when, November or December? Signing days in December. Okay, it has to be before the otherwise, then we lose another uh, possible recruiting cycle, I guess. Uh, and now, 
I uh, just want to let you know, this is how bad we've been offensively, if we're getting any worse, uh, according to Stat Tiger, when it comes to converting third downs. Auburn is converting 29.6% of the third downs. That's it, guys. Because when you get to third and short and you try to run the ball up the middle, your offensive line gets blown up and you get tackled for a loss. That's It's the same story it's been since 2018. Okay, do you guys have any any, any degree of confidence that uh, the LSU game will even be competitive? Maybe. Because yeah. it's college football I, I think and weird stuff be. happens. And it, yeah. it's a night game in Jordan-Hare Stadium and magic tends to happen. I, I could see that one being a more competitive game than I do the Georgia game. But For sure. I, I don't see us I, I can see a little bit of that night nighttime Jordan-Hare magic uh, doing something. Magic. I, yeah. You're going to have to have some – uh, I think we've ran out of our, our, our nine lives, haven't we? In, in the Auburn game? Jesus, Auburn Jesus is immortal. Well, okay. Uh, well, we have to see some real voodoo uh, now about that game, guys. When we know if they're going, because my daughter and I have tickets. But you know that hurricane uh, cone looks like it may come in our area. Do you know uh, when we know something? Well, so uh, so here's so here's the thing. If if it if that hurricane that is by the time it gets to Florida has it was supposed to have dropped down to like a one. It now it very well could rain and could rain a lot Saturday, but there's right now with the forecast there's not forecast for it to be like a hurricane while it's sitting over us. It, it would just be rain. Well, I'm thinking about tropical storm winds like you know 35 miles an hour. They won't have a game with that going on. Sure, they would. Really? Yeah, as long as there's not lightning. I mean, unless you know, football will be played. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen football played in crazier weather. That's the most time, most fun weather to play um, football in. I love bad weather football. Steve, I would love to know too. I know a lot of people are are concerned. This is obviously a a serious deal we're talking about when when um, we're talking about hurricane threats and that sort of thing. But I think we're gonna have to wait until we get closer. It's hard to project right now exactly what it's gonna look like. We'll have to wait until later in the week. Any intel on Mr. T.J. Finley? Is he really gonna be serviceable? He's back at practice this yeah. week, and Harson said today well, that he would go through on. practice. Uh, Ashford's listed as QB1 right also, now. We also heard Harson say that Calzada was at practice. Correct, like and I'm just else, right? I'm telling you what he said today. They also brought in Robbie Ashford for a media availability, which they have yet to do this season. They have not let him speak during the week. He's only been available after the game. So they are proceeding uh, with the image that Robbie Ashford is their quarterback moving forward. And speaking of coaches, guys. You know, I know there's coach speak, but this kind of coach speak just is, to me is nauseating, coming at least for, for an Auburn coach. Um, and I was going to relieve the before I got called. Two comments that Harson made at the post-conference uh, were just to me uh, incredulous. One, he said, and this is Andy Burcham on the Auburn Review, we played a very good football team. That's number one, uh, um, incredulous comment. And then he went on to say, we played against a tough opponent. Well, Coach, if you think that was a very good football team and they were a tough opponent, God help you when you have to play, I don't know, Georgia? Yeah, yeah but then you got to understand his friendship with Eli Drinkowitz, and he's not going to say anything right. poorly okay, about I the would, competition and the but, opponent I, and that sort of I thing. I get that part. But to say we played a very good a very good Steve, what, team? That's, Steve, that's, a, that's, a, that's what would you, coach talk. What yeah, would no you have him words. say? What would you have him say? I I'm say, curious. I, say, I would have said this. We were lucky to have won. Good luck getting a job anywhere as a, as a football that's coach. Honest. We were lucky to have won. Hey, I remember Spurrier saying, you know, we played God awful. He, he said that. Steve Spurrier time. is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, Brian, Brian Harsin is pure coach speak. You're never going to hear him get up there and go, you know, we really suck today. We we just suck. Our our players suck. This team sucks. We're just lucky to get away with any. Now, you're, he's not going to say that because he's trying yeah. to save his job for Could one be thing. Like Houston's head coach. Do you really think he, he wants the job, weekend. guys? Do you really think he wants? Yeah. It? Yes. Oh, if he, he didn't does. want he the job, quit. he'd quit. Yeah. yeah. If he didn't want the job, he would have taken the taken the reduced buyout last year. Well, I remember reading somewhere where he was actually looking at other uh, prospects. Other schools have contacted Auburn yeah. for interviews with Brian Harson. He is. Oh. I don't know if he's looking. I probably would because there are people who want his head. Okay. All right. So you think you're you're betting right now that this won't happen until after the Ole Miss game? Correct. Yeah. So if we get blown out by Georgia, you know, fifty to three, that won't be enough. I, I still it will probably Georgia's, sign the warrant. They yeah. probably won't serve it until after the yeah, Ole Miss game. I mean, yeah, because you, you, really you want to give that George. interim, you want to give the interim that week off to be able to kind of get a game plan together and whatever, and also at least give yourself a little bit of time to try to figure out who that interim is going to be. And I think a loss like that to Georgia, like he said, sign the warrant. People can start going in making moves and figuring out who they want the interim to be, talking to that person to be the interim, uh, and then do it in the bye week when that. When whoever that coach is has a chance to uh, to have a week off to get things put together. So if we're all in agreement, sounds like it says that Parson is just not a good fit anymore and needs to go. Don't you think also that's being the same kind of discussion going on by and by uh, President Richards and uh, the rest of the uh, people who make decisions? Don't you think they already have some people in mind? You would oh, hope so. You would yeah, think so. I guess. I'd hope so. Also, I'd also, I would also, I would also hope that that certain certain powers that be or whatever would have somebody in mind for next year, and maybe even make contact already to just gauge interest from other coaches. And that sounds like some Jetgate type stuff because you haven't even fired the coach yet. But if this is an, an an inevitable thing, and you truly believe that it is, it is a matter of when and not if Brian Harson is fired. You better be going ahead and put some feelers out there at, at some of your interests. Have some targets picked that you want to at least put some feelers to, whether that be Hugh Freeze, whether that be Deion Sanders, whether that be Urban Meyer, whether that be whoever you want to list. You better go ahead and start putting some feelers out there engaging some interest before you make that move because one of the worst things you can do is make a move and then not have a plan. Or not be moved and be made after yeah. the fact. Yeah. JD, are you on board? Are you on board with this with Harson leaving? Yeah, I mean, it's been really hard to watch the first four games of the season and it transpired the way in which it's went. And uh, I, I definitely have a higher standard for Auburn football. Auburn is a program that just cannot, under any circumstances, miss a bowl game. So the idea that a coach could lead a program to less than six wins is a fireable offense, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, the way things are looking right now, it might be time to make a move and make a change. But, hey, at least we're not Oklahoma. And we're not who? Texas. Yeah, some teams have had some tough losses already this season. Yeah, okay. Hi, guys. Got to hey, let you I go. You, I thank you for letting me ramble, and uh, thank you for the therapeutic uh, half hour that I have with you. So uh, you are always appreciated. Uh, I uh, respect all your opinions, and I hope to gosh we we uh, don't get rained out, and it's a, a game that we can attend. That's right. But until next time, guys, y'all have a safe afternoon, and uh, – War Eagle always. War Eagle. That's retired War Damp Steve joining us here on the program. Let's take our next time out here in the opening hour of Sports Call. We're back in a moment. WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. 
you want to join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Found a few moments of the opening hour of Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. Auburn football wins against Missouri 17-14 in overtime. Robbie Ashford, first start of his college career as Auburn did not play TJ Finley or Zach Calzada. Ashford on the day, 12 of 18, 127 yards, no touchdowns. Did have his first career rushing touchdown for Auburn. And Tank Bigsby had a rushing score as well. Those were the two touchdowns for the Tigers. Both came in the first half. And then they did not score again until halftime. Final few minutes here left in hour number one. We're taking your phone calls. Uh, Robbie Ashford, the quarterback. Robbie Ashford, the passer. What do we think? What do you guys like? What would you not like? I He almost threw the same interception that he's already thrown twice. But yeah. other than that, he didn't look bad. No, didn't honestly. Look bad. Like he, I just wonder how well he'd be able to throw the ball if he had adequate time to go through his reads. Certainly better. Yeah. I mean, I but mean, we, we've said the same better, thing about right? TJ. We have not seen the ceiling for any of Auburn's quarterbacks and so we'll far. Never they don't see, have time. I don't think we'll ever see it. Not, with the, not, not this, this year. I agree. Not this year. The, the only – the one thing that I will say about Robbie is when he does throw the ball, and yeah, that not having time is the biggest thing. He looks a lot more fluid throwing the ball. I, there's something with TJ and the way he throws it. Now, TJ is more accurate uh, and more of a proven passer, but there's just something so stiff and awkward and gross about Robbie throws the ball like a baseball player. Sure, and I think that's where it's like yeah. so fluid. It's such, such a fluid motion and – just gets out there. I mean, TJ is just so rigid and awkward. Yeah. It makes my body hurt watching <laughs> him throw a football. But hey, if that's what is that? If that's the more accurate passer, and that's what you got to have. Um, but yeah, nothing on that offense is going to change, as Brent has said time over and time again, time and time again here on this show just today. His face is probably blue. With how nothing many times is going said. to change on that offense until the offensive line just, is shored up. It and, drives me nuts. And now you and and now you've got injuries on the offensive line. <laughs> Uh, you're on your third string center. You're on your <laughs> third string center. The thing is that the oh, offensive God. line was already bad enough as it was, and it was bad with very little to zero depth. And now you've got the injuries kind of starting. You're going to into the in. depth. You're going into the depth of that you don't have. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I look. I don't nothing, think. But yeah, nothing's going to change until that's fixed, and that's not going to get fixed this year. I'm sorry, <laughs> Auburn fans, but your offensive line is not suddenly going to figure it out. No, They're just it's, bad. it's not going to be better next year either. Even if you get five, no, the just, top five offensive linemen in the country could come here. The learning curve for the SEC, the, is the learning curve from, from well, high school to college, regardless of what conference you're playing in, the steepest is at quarterback. Second steepest is sure. at offensive line. Well, the, so that the, and that's where you have to really get a coach. That's going to be out, be able to go in there, uh, recruit the high school kids. Cause you can, you can stick maybe one, yeah, maybe. true freshman on there that is if he is that can't miss five star future all American stud. If he's already grown into sure. his body, then sure. 
Absolutely. You know, you recruit what you recruit those guys like Alabama and Georgia recruit as true freshmen that are already six six, three hundred and twenty pounds. It's like, okay. Maybe. Um, but even but, I mean, but, but whoever I'll go back to Calvin Ashley, he was the number one tackle in the country. He couldn't get on the well, field. Oh yeah, and he was soft. He was. He was very soft. Um the biggest thing that whoever this new whoever the new coach is that comes in, we keep saying this like Harson's already done, but it's it is the inevitable. It's, it feels it feels like it, he is. It, it feels like a win, not if. Um, the biggest thing is going to be the transfer portal. You have to go out there and find enough proven offensive linemen that are willing to leave where they're at and and <laughs> come to you. That's I just the thing, don't think though. That's going to happen. Good, well, know, good offensive linemen don't leave. Don't leave. They don't. They don't. Because if you're a starter quality so offensive lineman, you have your job. You pro. If you're right. somebody who can start in the SEC, you're probably already yeah. starting somewhere else, and you're probably on a decent line, which means that you're on a fairly decent team most likely sure. so you're not but what, but what i'm what i'm talking about is you know when if you if you look, start looking around at, at the teams and I, again i'm going to just point out uh, alabama and georgia just because they're the closest to you but you've got guys that are second team five, that were five-star blue chippers they're playing second team you've got some third stringers on alabama and georgia that are like five-star blue chippers that haven't seen the field this year just because they're so loaded in front of them. Those are the guys you go out and get. I mean, yeah, sure, but yeah, it doesn't but seem like they s- want to leave because they have well, the next – You also the next said – Sure, but, that, sure but, that's, but that's what you find a coach that can convince them to leave. You also just brought up you want proven guys, and those guys aren't proven. They haven't well, played a snap I, I, yet. I'm, I'm just, well, I know, but, I mean, I'm saying – Guys that at least you need you need talent. I'm not sure. not going to take that away. That's what I'm you talking need about. Talent. You, but I mean, these coaches, especially in the recruiting world, I mean, before they just you're not just going to go and go. Oh, hey, I you know that guy that's at uh, at Ohio State right now. Hey, come play at Auburn. It's like you're going to vet them. You're going to find out through their coaches. Basically, a whole recruiting process of everything again and see. Okay, yeah, that that's a talented kid. Right now, what Auburn's looking at is an offensive line full of. Uh, two and three, two three, and three, two and three stars. There's no two stars on there, but okay, there's well, three there's threes stars. and some low fours. Some threes, some low fours, a couple transfers here and there. You know, just it's a very whatever, uh, and and have done nothing to develop that talent. Now, that's the thing. If you want to be Stoops in Kentucky and bring in all these three star guys and develop them into a top ten team, then good on you. But you're not doing that with these guys here. I mean, you've got the three-star talent that you just can't develop into anything. Who knows? We'll see what changes moving forward for the uh, Auburn football team. 3-1 and in the year. They defeat Missouri 17-14 in overtime and get set for LSU coming up on Saturday. At 4.30 today, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will be back with us on Sports Call. We've got best and worst of the weekend and a whole lot more still coming your way. Alongside Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the Bucks, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. I'm J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. We hope that you're doing well on this Monday. Auburn wins in overtime on Saturday against Missouri by a score of 17-14. to 14. The Tigers did not score any points in the second half, but held on, forced overtime after Missouri missed a chip shot field goal, and then they're handed the game on a Missouri fumble there in the extra period. Caden Bridges recovers the fumble. Auburn has two turnovers, which they had yet to do. They had yet to force any turnovers at all this season. They do that. Derek Hall is a monster for the Tigers defensively. Named the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. And Auburn picks up their third win of the season. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, with this Auburn football team, taking a look at uh, the fourth consecutive home game for Auburn. Five straight home games to open up the year. As you look uh, towards LSU coming here this weekend, 85,000 the announced attendance for Auburn for Saturday's game. A lot of people were uh, really interested to see what that number would look like given you know the dismantling by Penn State the week prior, but uh, they really did turn out. Now, did folks stay for the entire game? That's a, a little bit of a question there, but a uh, good crowd on hand on Saturday for that Auburn and Missouri game at 11 a.m. Yeah, I was the, there. The thing is, uh, the Auburn fans, and they're passionate, and, and that's why – you're talking about another coaching change after year two because the fans want more. The fans are passionate. The boosters are passionate. The alumni are passionate. Uh, I mean, this is uh, unlike a lot of teams around the country that would kind of not necessarily be satisfied, but you just would not be. Just don't have the patience. Like, right, right. Have the exactly. Patience. That's all it is. They don't have the patience to let a, to let anybody build a program. You got to give them something to look forward to, though, and Parson hasn't done that. It's not even. I mean, yes, but it's still like. I mean, when you're when you're not showing up to recruiting dinners, man, like when you're not showing up to recruiting dinners, you're not doing yourself any favors. We've had this conversation on this show before. I think you're both right in some ways. Harson has not been put in a good opportunity, a a good place to succeed. He does not have the support of the big money people, Uh, and And his 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 higher ups. No, his higher ups have never backed him. However, he has not done a lot to really save himself. He's right. not sure, he's not recruiting well, um, and I thought that was mostly because the boosters weren't giving him a shot. Now this interview, now this Sports Illustrated article comes out and say, where coaches say, "Yeah, he's not showing up at our high school. He's he's never shown his face here," and that's that's definitely not doing yourself any favors. If he was out there and like busting his, you know what, trying to get kids to come to Auburn. He was on the road. He was doing these recruiting visits as much as Cadillac and Ike Hilliard and Zach Etheridge and all those guys are doing it. Fine, that would be one thing, but that that article by itself it's is damning. really it's very damning, and it's made me really change this change what I'm change my tune when it comes to my support of Brian Harson. Uh, and, and you know, I mentioned the a recruiting dinner. 
uh, I have seen it reported some other places, but I, some friends of mine that actually work in the restaurant that uh, post Penn State, the post Penn State game with all those big time recruits that they had here and talked about how big of a recruiting weekend there, there was a post game dinner uh, at a local restaurant and Brian Harson was a no show. And I mean, I, I confirmed that through several of the folks that worked at that restaurant that are friends of mine. So you're missing a post game recruiting dinner. This story is out that he's not he's not meeting with coaches. He's yeah. not doing so. He's not doing himself I mean, any favors. It's not a good look. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just yeah. And and I also i i use I used this scenario last week on the show when you talk about anybody that you know tries to compare the two between him and Bruce Pearl. Now I know it's different because when Pearl got here, it was a big name, generated a lot of immediate excitement. But those teams were terrible those first couple of seasons. Those were not good. But you gave him time. And it's like, okay, yeah, but he gave you something, not only excitement to the future, but his very first recruiting class was, was Daniel Purifoy, Horace Spencer, T.J. Dunnans, Bryce Brown, his first recruiting class. So you're like, okay, listen, it's not going good, but goodness gracious, look what he already did on the recruiting trail. Right. If Brian Harson came here – and immediately put a top 10 class together and was in on all these other guys, and it really looked like something's moving towards the future. You bring, you go into the transfer portal and you bring in some top-notch dudes. Say you went out there and you got a quarterback of, of you know, of Caleb some Williams. sort of uh, – Caleb Williams, sure. <laughs> yeah. Remember, hell, I, remember, like the, remember the week and a half where he thought there was a possibility Caleb Williams was going to come sure. here? Dude, well, hell, I'd, I'd even say – and, and now, granted, things haven't worked out with him where he's at now, but even a guy like Spencer Rattler, I mean, a guy with that type of name notoriety. I was never I, interested I, in Spencer Rattler. No, I know. I mean, I feel, but I, feel, but, I, but I, I hear what you're saying. He has not done great at South Carolina, but at the time – that would have been a name yeah. if he would able to pull a guy like a Spencer Rattler yeah, here, or you know, top quarterback. Or, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not doing so, anything in the transfer portal. You're not doing anything on the recruiting. Now all this stuff's coming about how he's not showing up to this, not showing up to that, not showing up to the coaches. And yeah, that know. sounds it sounds like somebody who's who's right. shutting down. Sure. Uh, um, so or just was, was not prepared to put forth the effort that was yeah, going to be asked. Or, for. I mean, because going that. to those high schools, that is not that is not going above and beyond. That is the expectation. Sure. Right, so, I mean, at least here, yes, right. yeah, so, for, so for big time college you, football, yes. So, so like I'm saying, if if you want, if you're going to be bad, if you understand that the talent is just what it is, that it's bad talent overall, and something that goes back to you know the couple of years before you got here, and you got to build this up. If you want to give yourself a chance to be able to move forward and have people give you a chance to build it, you have to help yourself out, and I, he's just not doing that. And so that's people are ready to move on. They're they're ready to move on to where uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be instant success with wins and losses. You want to see some change there, obviously, but you have to see some instant success on the recruiting trail. You have to see some instant success in the transfer portal. You you have to give some hope towards the future. And and Brian Harson has not given really any kind of hope yeah. towards the future at all. There's, there's in fact the, the only hope towards the future is that you go ahead and make a move. And get somebody in here that can do that, and that's that's the only future hope that Auburn fans feel like they have right now. There has been no sign of improvement. Uh, no. In fact, the team is backsliding. And I understand you you lost a lot of talent last year and the year before. Uh, a lot of it transferred out uh, for better or worse. And I, I defended Harson in those moments too. And I think I would still defend what Brian Harson did in letting some of those guys walk, right? Because 
you know, you got, again, you get the, guys the, that you any, any of the guys that left Auburn to go to UCF to play for Gus Malzahn again, I'm not interested in their opinion because they, they got hit with culture shock and they wanted to go back to, to play with the guy that they signed with. And that's fine. You're allowed to do that. But I, I'm interested to hear maybe what Bo Nix has to say, Sean Shivers, Tayshawn Manning, the guys who transferred to schools that weren't UCF. They decided they didn't want to be here anymore, but they didn't want to go play for Gus Malzahn again. I'm very interested to hear what those guys have to say about Brian Harson. Yeah. I mean, what those guys have to say about Brian Harson, what some of those other coaches have to say about Brian Harson. Yeah. Uh, I think it's out there, you know, Derek Mason – I think made pretty clear what his thoughts were without just being just direct. I mean, but the guy took a pay cut to go be a defensive coordinator yeah, somewhere. But else. he also gave up like forty three points to their worried. first yeah. paycheck no, game. Sure, <laughs> sure. No, I I get that. But uh, but a guy like Derek Mason, who was a, a very respected former head coach in the SEC, a very respected defensive coordinator. I'm in agreement I, with you, Tom. A guy, yeah. a guy that. Everybody was excited about. Right. If there's, you if would they, rather have Derek Mason than Jeff Schmetting, just based off names alone. Absolutely. If there was one thing that Brian Harson uh, accomplished in his first year was getting Derek Mason because that was the one that everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, Derek Mason! Heck yes, let's go." I agree. And then he bells and and apparently not in a very good way. So, yeah, it's just it. It's kind of a compounding of problems, and I mean, not, we just it, we keep piling on. But the thing is, all the negatives also keep piling on. The wins and losses yeah. are piling on. The the lack of talents piling on. The lack of recruiting. The lack of uh, NIL. The lack of transfer portal. You name it. It just keeps piling on and piling on. And eventually, you're just going to have to stop it. Call in and let us know what you think. Again, coming up at four thirty, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will be on Sports Call. And uh, we'll take your thoughts as well. 334-887-3401. Back in a moment. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on a Monday, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside our studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry talking a lot about football here today. Saw Auburn win over the weekend. You got to listen to the Falcons win yesterday against the Seattle Seahawks as uh, West Durham had the Falcons radio network call here on 95.9 FM. And do want to do a little housekeeping in terms of the week ahead. Of course, we'll have Tiger Talk coming your way on Thursday night. Auburn football and LSU set to play Saturday night at 6 p.m. Central Time. Pre-game show starts at 3 o'clock. And then locally, high school football. Tom, we're already seeing a lot of high school games in the area move their games up in the week. Here, it will impact us. On Thursday night, we will have Beauregard High School, undefeated Beauregard High School football. 
They're taking on Silicaga. That game will not play on Friday. They've already made plans to move it up and play it Thursday night, and a ton of teams are doing that in AHSAA this week. Yeah, just, just getting prepared in case the uh, the tropical storm, hurricane, whatever it is, does make its way up this way for the weekend. Uh, so, yeah, go, I mean, go ahead and make your plans for that as far as like football right. and, uh, and shift around what you have to. Uh, now, t- Steve mentioned about the Auburn game. There's a little bit of a difference uh, with that. Now, obviously, if it is a dangerous, life-threatening situation, they're not going to put the fans out there. But, you know, some some wind and some rain is not going to stop Auburn playing. The field is going to be fine. But then you start thinking about some of these high school games that they don't have the type of actual playing surface that is a – Resources and everything. Right, the resources and the drainage and the manicured field surfaces that you get at the university – you know, they they it becomes dangerous out there if you start trying to play in something like that. Just the field itself. So yeah, move, you move things back a day, try to get that taken care of, and and see what happens. But right now, nobody even knows what that thing is going to even do. Right. It, it might it might make a beeline right and hit Tampa, and it's the one thing we, that you might catch maybe a band or two of rain. However, there are other forecasts that have it coming up kind of right around the little elbow of uh, Florida right there. Yeah. And that would impact us a little bit more. It's one of uh, many things that stink about severe weather is that, uh, you know, you can't really predict these things. No. Uh, we can have forecasts and projections and that sort of thing, but you got to wait and let it all play out. Again, uh, we've got Talladega coming up this weekend as well. Bruce Pearl will wave the green flag tonight, or tonight, on Sunday, to start the Cup Series playoff race they're at Talladega. 334-887-3401. As we go to the phone lines now. Shag from Tuskegee. Shag has called into the program. What's going on, my friend? Yes, sir. How y'all doing? Very well. Doing Thanks well, for asking. Sir. I just had a couple of questions I wanted to ask. How many returning starters do we have? Oh, man. Let me think. If you count TJ Finley, Tank, um, John Samuel Schenker, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, it's most of yeah, them. Uh, you you lost two offensive linemen last year, and then you lost Nick Brahms at the start of this year. Um, so I think you've got five or six on offense, on defense. Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, um, Owen Papo, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson. Oh, are you playing two new safeties? Or just yeah. one? Uh, two new safeties? Yeah, I'm pretty sure two. But well, I, I think I so. So six, a little, a little over half, I think. Six, six return, six returning offensive starters and five returning defensive starters. Okay, well, I don't know what publication it was, but I know I heard somebody say seven on both sides of the ball. But I mean, we got off to a six and two start last year. That's right. So do we miss Bo Nick that much for all the people that said we wanted him out? I, I think of. you're definitely missing <laughs> kind Bo Nick. Yeah. Bo Nix has proven that he is a better quarterback when he's got time um but i think you're also missing you're, you're missing Tayshawn manning and you're missing uh bradarius ham and you're missing nick brahms on that offensive line as much as anything those guys were not world beaters but they're definitely better than what you've got right now so, hey but, I, but I, I, don't, I want i want to mention something you, you mentioned the start of last season uh there was a win over akron a win over alabama state a loss at penn state which was actually a very close game a win against Georgia State where you had to pull off an absolute miracle on fourth down to win that one. And then you won at LSU uh, for the first time, but also that was an LSU team that was 
probably about as bad as Auburn is this year. LSU was about as bad as that last year. So, yeah, you did start off with that record, but, I mean, your competition went, you went really very good. For, Not for really a worth, lot to brag about. You did beat a well, really good Ole Miss team that year. Well, yeah, and, well, and Arkansas. You, yeah. yeah. And, you, and then you know it all well. went downhill. Yeah, everything bad happened at the same time. Well, you know as well as I do, even though we didn't, we should have beat Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Alabama, even yep. though we didn't. But Absolutely. They have. Yeah, but but that and, that and goes just, that goes back to some of the second half problems that Auburn has had over the last stretch of through that stretch of losses last year, the bowl game, and into this year. You could also talk this team is just quarterback terrible well. in the second half of games. And the offensive play calling is ridiculous. I've been watching Auburn football since 1970, and I truly don't think I've seen any worse. I honestly don't. I just don't get it. It is terrible. Well, I, I've terrible. already said this a few times. I, I don't care who, what, I don't care what plays you're calling. Is if you can't block the front four of the other team, then you're not going to have success. I mean, Auburn only Auburn had a couple of successful rushing plays last uh, on Saturday, but. Almost all of them came outside the tackles, and that's not sustainable. Especially when teams realize that if they can just play the, if they can just play the, if they can set the edge, then you're not going to have any success against them. Yeah, you're right. You are so right. But yeah, it's just terrible, man. That's, that's all I wanted to say. It's, it's mm. and one other question: Why is Dion Sanders' name keep? Floating around at Auburn, that would never happen in fifty years. Auburn, <laughs> You're right. Auburn. You're right. Be for real. Preach. Absolutely. Well, that, it, it Auburn's keeps, still Auburn. It keeps floating around because the fan base wants that to happen. Oh, they, yeah, you're right. Well, we can hire him as a recruiter coordinator. That's about as far as he would go. Well, like I said, the the fan base wants him um, just because he would bring instant excitement. He would bring instant uh, credibility as far as. Recruiting and being able to go and sit down in the in the in the living rooms of these high school kids, uh, bringing in a staff. Yeah. I mean, a lot of coaches would love to coach with Deion Sanders. You just don't know what he would do, wins or losses. Everything else would be fine. However, when you look at when you look at the the people that make things run, the 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 directors of the train over here at Auburn. Uh, the the big money dudes. I I don't know that that uh that Deion Sanders is the guy that they want to be the face of the program. Uh, and that's go. just yeah. And I think that's unfortunate because I think Deion Sanders could do a lot of good here. Uh, that's just real talk. Real talk. Yep. All right. You guys have a good one. Shag, so good to hear Shaq. from you. Thanks yes, sir, for the phone too. call. That's a Shag from Tuskegee joining us there on the program. Uh, a lot of names. From that Auburn team a season ago that started six and two, mm-hmm. no longer playing with yeah. this team for various reasons. Uh, we're getting set for the uh, upcoming game against LSU. You'll hear our Auburn minute throughout the week promoting kind of the series as it's gone back and forth, and you'll hear a couple of names. Bo Nix being one of them that played well in that game. By Darius Knighton started at safety for the Tigers. That was a year the other ago. safety I was thinking he of. He had a game ceiling interception for Auburn's defense Him and Smoke. last season. So uh, yeah, there are a good number of names on both sides of the football that are no longer with this team, and uh, other guys have had to step up. Yeah, and man, I don't know. I think the defense, the defense played poorly against Penn State at uh, in that second half, but I think the first half they played really well. They played really well for most for like ninety percent of the game on Saturday. I think the defense has a chance to be successful, but the offense is just bad. You don't have playmakers. You don't have quarterbacks. Don't have time to show you if they're any good or not. 
Tank Bigsby's got nowhere to go. Tank Bigsby no. has to break three tackles every play Do just to get back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it's a, it's it's tough to play, and I'm gonna keep beating this dead horse because I need people to realize this. Offensive line is where it makes things go. If your offensive line is really good, Starts you're gonna be you're gonna be a lot better. If your offensive line is as bad as Auburn's is, nobody's gonna look good. Time for another phone call before we get to Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers. We go back to the phone lines. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called into sports call on this Monday. Hello, Anthony. What's going on, guys? How you guys doing? Quite well. How are you today? I'm doing good. You know, I said I didn't see the whole game. I saw bits and pieces of it because uh, of my work schedule. But I tell you, you know, uh, I thought Auburn had really, you know, I thought they had done something when they pulled it off. That guy fumbled with the ball there at the end, and Auburn recovered. And and I was like, wow, they came back as a team and did something. But last night I was off from work and had a chance to catch the replay. And after I thoroughly got a chance to watch that, I, it's just a gift they got from uh, Missouri at, at that point after I got sure. to see everything. You know, I. What that coach did with the last minute or so before the overtime, uh, when he had the, when that guy threw that when the quarterback threw that pass down, that guy caught it and got knocked out of bounds down around the two yard line or so somewhere in that area, and they had first down down there, and he did the same thing that dumb goofball coach at Auburn High did, got the quarterback to start uh, taking a knee, which he was setting up a field goal. He's playing for a field goal. There's no sense in doing it. The man should just lined up, ran an inside trap, and let the fullback or tailback go in the end zone. You know, I would have tried that at least three times. And then if I had to sell for a field goal, I would have done that. But he he beat those his own players out of a win that he could have got and not even going into the overtime. Yeah. Well, hey, so Anthony, we talked about this earlier in the show. I agree. If I was the head coach or if I was the offensive coordinator, I would have tried to punch that in for a touchdown. So on that, I 100% agree. I would have tried to punch that in. However, in Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach at Missouri, in his defense – your kicker is an all-American kicker, can't miss. He he very rarely misses. The dude is going to hit a 20-yard field goal. They, I mean, it's just going to happen. So we go ahead, we run the clock off, we get it down to dang near zero. Go ahead. Our all-American kicker is going to kick You know what amounts to, uh, to an extra point with no time on the clock for Auburn to do anything, and we get out of here with a win. That was the mindset. So I understand why he did what he did. It just didn't work out because you're all-American kicker, you're can't miss kid that is going to hit a 20-yard field goal nine out of ten times, and probably 99 out of 100. That just happened to be the one that he missed. Well, yeah, you right here, he is a can't miss. It looks like he ain't missed a buffet line in about 30 years. <laughs> oh, I, easy, you know, easy. He's a, he's a big boy. He is. Looks like he's about a good 275. He's a big boy, but he is, but he is an all-American kicker for a reason. Well, he may be All-American, but he wasn't All-American Saturday. I wouldn't have been messing around with no stupid stuff like that. I'd have punched out. Wow. I told him, look, you're going to punch this ball in or don't come back to this sideline. What I'd have told I agree. I'll what you do. I'd have punched I, him I, in. We, I know we got FCC got rules. We can't say this on the air, but next time you talk to Al Del Greco, ask him what Pat Dye told him in a big football game and uh, see what he tell you in private. But, you know, I just uh, – I tell you – this team here, I don't know. It probably got one more game it can win, and that might be the game before the Iron Bowl. It's going to be looking like a four and eight season, is what I can tell right now. I mean, offensive line just just on the third center this week coming up. Uh, offensive line is just not there, which means if the offensive line is not there, there's no running lanes or running room for your running backs. They're getting what thirty yards, forty yards a game now. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't beat anybody in the conference right, getting thirty yards a game, and the quarterback may end up being the rushing leader. I mean, you know, that just a it's just not going to work. Uh, this is the most terrible team I've seen. I've been following Auburn football 
since the days of Pat Dye. And we all know that Pat Dye came into Auburn here in 81, and I've been following him since then. That's a very long time. He's about almost 40-some years of following Auburn football. And this has to be the worst coach team and the worst talent of any team they've ever had. Did you did I, you huh? did you watch a game in twenty twelve? That was a lot worse. I'm saying like this team's not great, but twenty twelve was they, a lot they, worse. They have not quite got the twenty twelve. They won a conference game. They're already better. Yeah. Well they won they, they was given a conference game. It was given a cupcake and they went ahead and accepted a cupcake hey, with ice cream. W it's a W. It was a win, yeah. They, they was given that. They didn't earn it. They was given that. Anthony, do you think you've watched more Auburn football or Alabama football in your life? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe more. I don't yeah, know. yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. But uh, you know, a lot of times You're I just don't watch Alabama because I know they're gonna win. And I, you know, it ain't no fun just watching them beat down people because you know it's gonna happen. Yeah, I know. You got <laughs> you know to come over here and watch Big Brother. You know, but uh, I'm gonna tell you some. Uh, <laughs> I would go ahead. If I don't know what the board of trustees or the powers to be or the top boosters or, or who's making the calls. I tell you one thing. I'll be getting a sheet of paper out and write down five or six names who I think might be able to come in here and turn this place around. And I, I contact some agents who represent these people and uh, see Try how much um, money is going to take. Uh, what it's going to take. How much control they need to have. Whether that's control and scheduling the non-conference opponents or. Or, or whatever it is, and working this program, or, or what need to be done to bring somebody in, turn this thing around, and get on some winning ways. Because what this guy doing is it just ain't working. It's just an embarrassment, is all it is. I mean, you can clearly see that. Last year, we was blaming wide receiver coaches for the offensive woes, and well, and the receivers couldn't on, catch. Huh? The receivers couldn't catch. That's not on the head coach. Or and get then, or get open. Yeah, it's on the head coach because he's in charge of everything. Anybody worth anything would tell you the head coach should have stepped up and said, my fault. And, well, my he fault. he did, and he fired the wide receiver coach, and the wide receivers well, are better this year. Yeah, well, better doing what? Better at catching the ball. They, they've, dropped, they've dropped two huh? passes all year. They've definitely been better. The receivers have definitely been better. Uh, well, I ain't seen anything. Ike, Ike Hilliard is huh? a better wide receiver coach than Cornelius Williams is right now. I ain't seen anything translating into touchdown, real touchdowns over Well, here. Anthony, you just said you didn't watch the game live anyway. I ain't seen anything translate from what I've seen. Well, uh, well, here's the thing. Then, I, then watch Anthony, it again. we got to let you go. We got we got to get out of here. We got Jason Caldwell coming up. Tom, well, I'll, I'll let you go. Thank you. Let me get my pick in right quick. LSU 49, Auburn 3. Thank you so much. That's Anthony from Auburn. You get Wait. one thought, Tom, and we got to get to Jason yeah, Caldwell. Uh, yeah, the receivers have done better catching the ball. They're having trouble getting separation. Yeah, yeah but, they're having trouble getting open. Right, but the big thing is they were just They not, don't have time to get open. Well, they, there's that, but they also just – it's not a talented wide receiver room. Only two passing touchdowns for Auburn football so far this season. Uh, one to a tight end and one to a running back. Still waiting for the first receiving touchdown by a wide receiver. Let's take a break. When we come back, Jason Caldwell joins the program here on Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. It's a Monday on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call Auburn, a program that has been on the air since 1995, bringing you all the latest coverage and news with Auburn Athletics 
and Mondays during the fall are really exciting because we get an opportunity to talk about the Auburn football game that just was. An Auburn football game that went to overtime and saw the Tigers walk away with a victory 17-14 to against Missouri, and we're going to break all that down with our good buddy Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers who joins us here on the program. Jason, how would you describe the win for Auburn football on Saturday, or are you even calling this thing a win? Well, it's, it's a win, but I would say it's more of a Missouri loss than an Auburn win at this point. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know that Auburn did a, a ton to win that game Saturday other than holding on and and they just kept playing. Um, they did that, but, man, um, it sure felt like Missouri lost that game more than Auburn won it on Saturday. With this Auburn football team, we saw offensive struggles continue in the second half, and it's just the biggest question around this team. What happens inside that locker room and results with the team coming out on the field and their lack of offensive production in the second half? Is there anything that you're noticing, and and how can they change that? Yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing that I'm noticing. Uh, That's when adjustments happen. Um, Adjustments happen at halftime once, a team figures it out, then it becomes about guys making plays. Um, and right now they don't have enough guys making plays. That, that's a lot of times what a second half is about. You can scheme in the first half and you can scheme in the first quarter, but once once that's gone and, and the team says, okay, now we've seen what you got to show us, then it's about players making plays. And that's why normally the better teams – um, you know, they win games in the second half in the fourth quarter. I think back to 2010 and 2013, those teams, that's what they did. And, and right now this team doesn't have enough guys making plays, especially offensively. Defensively, I thought they did some better things on Saturday. But offensively, um, just got to see if they can find a few plays here or there. They're just, you, there's not a ton of playmakers that jump out to you on this offense right now, especially if you don't have time or, or, or the ability to run the football. Um, it makes it even tougher, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Uh, Jason, talking about the uh, offense a little bit, yeah, I mean, you got some running backs, but, I mean, and you could talk about the quarterback situation, wide receiver situation, but really the offensive line is where that all starts. And, I mean, honestly, they're just terrible. Uh, it, what do you do there? Uh, and now you got some injuries starting to stack up. I mean, what do you do if you're Brian Harson? What do you do if you're Eric Keesaw? I mean, what do you do to try to find some way to – make something out of this offensive line. Yeah, well, you got to figure out a way to, to you know, get rid of the ball quick. I mean, I think, quite honestly, you got to do a lot of what Mercer and San Jose State did, to be quite honest. I think you got to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. got to move the quarterback. Um, got to do some of those things. To me, that, that's what you do to protect an offensive line. Uh, they just don't have an offensive line right now that's going to line up and knock a bunch of people off the ball. And, and um, you know, they, they want to run the football and, but I think you're going to have to, you know, we talked about this a lot during the Gus Malzahn era, too. Sometimes you're going to have to throw to set up the run. Uh, you know, Robbie Ashley was 5-for-5 five for, five for 76 yards on first down Saturday. Maybe you're going to have to give him some more opportunities to throw the football early, knowing that, well, you know what, if you don't if you don't complete the first down pass and you're second long, it, it's probably going to be bad news. But, I mean, when you're punting pretty much every possession anyway, um, you know, sooner or later you're going to have to score some points. Um, you were able to beat Missouri Saturday um, as fortunate as, as you ever ever could be. I mean, they basically got an extra point to win the game, and then you know they drop a ball going in the end zone that wins the game too. You're not going to win many games like that. 
um, there's a reason why. You don't see very many like that. And so um, you may have some negative plays on offense, but you got to find some positive plays and some big plays in a hurry, and that means you got to be more aggressive on offense. Jason, as bad as the offense looked on Saturday, the defense had its moments where it really came through. Uh, do you think that this defense is improving? Do you think it's getting better as the season goes along, or do you think that was more a result of uh, of playing against a bad Missouri team? Yeah, I, I think they, they did some things better Saturday. Missouri was not very good, though, and so that helped, obviously, uh, in that regard. The The thing I still have a question about is, you know, for all the things that defensively you did, you allowed Missouri to drive right down the field at the end of the game and, and should have kicked the game-winning field goal, and then you allowed a guy to – to break a run for what should have been a winning touchdown, and you didn't impact either one of those plays other than you know maybe the the, the moment, the situation. Um, that's the thing I look at and go, man, is, is for as many plays as you made, that, that was still a Missouri team that put itself in a position to win the game and just couldn't do it. And so um, it was a step in the right direction, but you got to be a whole, whole lot better beginning this week. Uh, you know, this is an LSU team that's got some playmakers. It's not Georgia or Alabama or, or even Arkansas or you know, Ole Miss, but it, it's an LSU team that's capable of scoring some points and got a defense that's playing pretty well too. Jason, it kind of seems like the writing's on the wall for Brian Harson. It's not really a matter of if but when um, he uh, finishes up his time here at Auburn. Do you think that he was ever really given a fair opportunity to be successful here? I'm sorry. Can I, I, can you repeat that? I was I couldn't hear you there for a second. Um, do you do you think that Brian Harson was ever given an opportunity to be successful uh, during his time here at Auburn? Yeah, I mean he's in his second year. That's a lot of people have won a lot of games in year two. I mean he's been given an opportunity. Yeah, and he's he's still got an opportunity. He's still the coach, as far as I know. Yes, he's got opportunity. Hey, Jason, here's a question for you. Um, uh, you're over there, obviously, a lot more than I am, but now I have been there before, and so I know the interactions that, that you and all the beat writers have with the coach. Has it kind of become a deal where – I mean, it, it feels like that Harson has gotten a little bit short and snippy with the media and obviously not telling the media full things with when it comes to TJ. Um, does it feel like that even the relationship between the media and Brian Harson has soured? No, I thought I thought today he was pretty good. I, I right. thought he was he was fine today. You know, last week obviously coming off a, a game like that, a disappointing performance against Penn State. I thought it was a little different last week, but you know, I, I mean, I thought he was I thought he was fine today. I mean, he came mm-hmm. and was pretty straightforward about Tate Johnson. He led off with it. Um, said, "Hey, TJ, TJ family is going to practice this week, and and they'll see kind of where he is." So, no, I, and I thought it was fine. I mean, it's. It's different than it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, but that's just the way it is now. There's just not as much interaction between coaches and the media as there used to be, but that's just a byproduct of kind of the way everybody is nowadays, unfortunately. Uh, who, who's the baseball coach uh, before Butch Thompson, the one that had – he was very, here only briefly. Yeah, Sonny Galloway. Sonny Galloway. So we, we haven't reached Sonny Galloway yet. No, no, no. We're uh, we're. <laughs> Jason Caldwell here with us from inside the Auburn Tigers talking about this Auburn victory against Missouri and LSU coming up next. Jason, it's also the fifth of uh, five straight home games before Auburn walks away. Tell us a little bit more about this LSU team. What stood out to you? Yeah, I think you look at just uh, you know, you know Brian Kelly coming in, the guy that's won a bunch of football games in his career. 
Notre Dame and Cincinnati before that, and Grand you know Grand Valley State. I mean, he's he's won wherever he's been. Uh, you know, got Jaden Daniels in, former Arizona State quarterback, and a guy that was exceptionally good as a true freshman. Was not very good the last couple of years at Arizona State, and you know obviously they had a lot more things going on underneath the surface there as well that probably impacted some of that. But he's a good quarterback. You look at you know defensively, and B.J. Ojolari is is a, an outstanding pass rusher. This is an LSU defense that's going to have some guys that can run on on the other side of the ball, and so um, they're pretty good against the run that front seven. And and so if you're Auburn, uh, you got to find a way to create plays in the passing game on Saturday. Taking a look at uh, this Auburn football team ahead of Saturday's game, and then of course a big game coming up against Georgia, the first road test. Uh, with all the uh, you know the questions about this football team, Jason, it's it's still strange to think about the fact that they haven't even tried to handle a road environment just yet, right? We're talking about all these weaknesses and flaws you might want to call them for a football team, and anytime you play away from your home stadium. Those just multiply. It's, it's kind of wild that we're, now we're actually about to see kind of the effects of all that next week when Auburn hits the road for the first time. Yeah, and that's why we've talked about this this first five-game stretch being so important because you look and you know, four of your last seven are on the road and you're talking about going to Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Alabama. Um, that's four challenging games when you look at the, the way those teams have played this year, not to mention the environment that you go into. So, yeah, we, that's why we talked about these, you know, at, at, at a, you know, a, a must to be four and one to have a chance to really have a successful season. Um, it's still sitting there. It's still an, an opportunity, and, and you know you're capable of doing that on Saturday. But you're going to have to play much better. Did you get a couple of jump shots up before Auburn started basketball practice today? No, I didn't. I actually went over to, to a little fall baseball today. So okay. I did a little baseball. So yeah, we got a little bit of everything going on right now. So I did a little baseball. Mark and uh, Nathan over at basketball. So we'll have plenty of things. Uh, to going on this week. I know you still got the jump shot ready to rock and roll at any point. Tell us a little bit about the coverage you got there at AUTigers.com. Yeah, like I said, check us out at AUTigers.com, AuburnUndercover.com as well, and can also follow me on Twitter at ITATJ. We'll talk next week, Jason. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, All right, bro. that's our buddy Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers joining us here on Sports Call. It's an Auburn football team, 3-1 and one now on the year. Some things they need to improve as the season moves forward. We'll take our next commercial break, and we're back with more right after this. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, Brant Daughtry inside our studios. Thanks again to Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers for joining us on the show. If you missed any of that conversation, you can go back and find it on our Sports Call podcast feed that's brought to you by Coca-Cola. Thanks again to Jason, our weekly Monday guest, talking about this football season for the Auburn Tigers. All right, uh, we take a look at, uh, of course, your thoughts are always welcome on the phone lines, 334-887-3401. Thoughts are also welcome on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. 
we actually got some tweets today, guys. Uh, oh. that just yeah, came I've been in seeing it <laughs> from uh, from our buddy Brent. Yeah, at Spunky thirteen two thousand. Okay, fun. Uh, at Sports Call AU, here's my way of fixing Auburn. First of all, Harson has to quit to get the fire lottery. The next thing is this has to stop. It is ridiculous that some can get fired to get millions of dollars. Here's my solution. Give whoever it is an $800,000 base salary. Then $300,000 for every SEC win, $1 million to beat LSU, $2 million to beat Georgia, $3 million to beat Alabama, $3.5 million to win the SEC, $5 million to win the national championship, Make them earn their money, and they lose to anyone you're favored by 10 or more points to, lose $500,000. That is a contract idea there from Brent. I (laughs) like the idea. I love love incentive-based contracts. Uh, Good luck getting anybody to sign (laughs) up. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to get a coach to sign there. They're going to want the guaranteed money, and they're going to look around. They're going to want a buyout, too, because because buyouts are just commonplace. And this is not just at Auburn, but – I need people to realize buyouts are not just for when a school wants to fire a coach. A buyout prevents other schools from coming in and poaching your coach. Right. That is that is what a buyout is supposed to do. It's just become the other thing. Um, but yeah, you're you're never going to get a coach to sign that. Uh, any any big time coach, you may get a like somebody who's just desperate Up to coach big time college football. Yeah. But if you have if you have an opportunity to be the head coach at Auburn, you have the opportunity to be a head coach at a lot of places that will offer you much better money. So I, I like the idea. I like where your head's at, Brent. But it's just not its not going to work. You can't go back in time. Like, no. Once no. we've already started Jimbo Fisher this. is making $10 million because he coached Jameis Winston in 2013. And, and once we started this madness of uh, contract buyouts being the way they are, that's the way it goes. That's the True. norm moving forward, and uh, you can't go back to the way things used to be. I think society's been trying to do that forever. There's a large portion of the crowd that not just sports. I mean, you want to back in my days. day, the good old days back the in my day. Days. Like there, there here's, are things. The here's the thing. Gone. Here's the thing about the old days. They're the old days. They're the old days for. A we are in the new days, yep. and you gone. cannot be in the old day. But some Wise try. Some brand. try. Wise some try, and they brand. can try all they want. It's impossible. We like hearing from people on Twitter. Absolutely. At sports call AU. Send us your thoughts. I love talking or to give people us phone on the calls. Twitter app. Uh, if you would the like to be a part of the show again, 334-887-3401. And then uh, we've got one more hour to go. We'll have best and worst of the weekend in the final hour and more. What do you, you know, got? You know, you know a guy that could uh, – <laughs> that type of scenario? A Who's guy, that? Deion Sanders. Oh, my God. <laughs> Deion Sanders well, no, well, no, hold on, just, wipes hold on, his hold on, nose with $800,000. Yeah, <laughs> right. well, no, so here's what I'm saying. So I think I think his net worth is already like forty million yeah. just from his from his pro career, his NILs with everything going on. He's he's making chump change right now at Jackson State. So if there were ever be a coach that you could present something like that to, now obviously that's not reality because he's gonna like uh, no. If I come to Auburn, you're gonna pay me what Nick Saban's making. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean that's just the reality of it. However. A coach that is already making chump change, that is already has a net worth of over forty some odd million dollars, that that could be something enticing to come in and like, hey, yeah, you know, I'll I'll take you up on that bet. That's kind of like a gamble type deal, you know. All right, you know, you want to you want to gamble? I, I've already got house money. I'm rich. I'm already rich. I don't care about money. But if you if we want to gamble, do and play this game and let's go. Do we think that Deion Sanders doesn't care about money? 
No, of course not. Yeah. But I'm just saying he's got plenty <laughs> yeah. already. I think so Deion Sanders is going is going to get as much money as he possibly can, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You get yours. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm never if, going to be mad at people for making money. Yeah. I'm just saying if there were to ever yeah. if there was ever a coach that you could think of that would be the type of guy to take a gamble like that. Like, oh, you already have a lot of money. Right. Like I said, I you, already house, you already got you already got house money. You're playing with house money. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're already playing with house money. What who cares? Like, all right. And 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 I also have a big enough set on me that I can take you up on that and probably right. take your money. And money is something, as we said, that's uh, never been hard to come by right. for prime time. I'm going to, out of curiosity, I looked up Deion Sanders' contract. He's currently making $1.2 million per year. Sheesh. That's good money. Yeah. Deion Sanders, a career 244 batting average, or excuse me, 277 <laughs> batting average for your Atlanta Braves. 75 stolen bases on the base pass. Braves start a big series with the Nationals ahead of a massive series against the Mets this weekend. Only nine games left in the regular season for the Bravos. Two hours of Sports Call are in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Tom Peavy inside the studio right now with Camberry and Brant Daughtry on the program here on this Monday. We hope that you're doing well, enjoyed the weekend that was, and that you're fired up for the start of another great week. It's going to be a fun week here on the program as we've got Auburn and LSU coming up on Saturday. Nine games remaining in the MLB season. Uh, We've got NASCAR heading to Talladega for the playoffs this weekend. On tomorrow's show, Chris Buescher is going to be on Sports Call, a NASCAR Cup Series driver uh, that won last week at Bristol will be on the program. So we've had Brett Holmes, a Truck Series driver, and for the first time ever on this program, tomorrow's show will feature a conversation with a Cup Series driver. And, Tom, it always happens on days that you're away, my friend. Nah. <laughs> but it. uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun and good reason huh. to listen to the show coming up tomorrow here on Sports Call. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of the show as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line. Terry from Auburn. Terry has called into the program. Hello, Terry. Good afternoon, guys. How are you? JJ and the gentleman. Yes, exactly. How are you? <laughs> doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Um, isn't that in race weekend coming up in Talladega? I know yeah. I That's right. This this uh, this Sunday. Well, it makes, it glad. It makes, me, makes me more happy I'm not there. <laughs> Because for the locals, that's uh, it's it's a little rough. I got to be honest. I can only imagine. Yeah, 
it makes you it makes you realize that people on Jerry Springer really do exist. <laughs> um, so the guys, can we can we preface some when people call up and say Brian Harson is a good coach? He may be a good coach out west in Boise, but he's not a good coach at Auburn. The past two weeks against Penn State and Missouri, did that look a well coached team to y'all? No, no, not at all. No, nope, as, exactly. as much as I've defended Brian Harson, he has not given me a lot of confidence over the last two weeks. I, I just don't understand it, guys. I mean. I think it was Jeremy Foley that said something to the effect, and I'll probably get the quote wrong, but why put off now what you eventually know you have to do? And and Brian Harson, I, I really don't think he wants to be there anymore. I think he wants it to be over. And and it, it, look, he don't have the pieces. He don't have the horses. He doesn't like to recruit, so he has no future of getting those pieces, those horses there. Um, I just don't understand it. I just don't. It's, it's, just, it's a nightmare scenario. It really is. Yeah, it's not. I, I'll it's agree not with you. Good. It's not. It's not good. I think the reason that they're going to wait until the bye week is because whoever that interim coach is is probably going to be a guy who doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. It'll be a guy that's already on staff. The word is that it's going to be Zach Etheridge because he is the associate head coach right now, mm-hmm. uh, and Zach Etheridge has never been a head coach before. So they want to give him that bye week to kind of adjust and to uh, to not force him into a game week before they absolutely have to. Just give him well, give him two weeks of cushion before he has to actually coach a game. I was going to say, please let it not be Schmetting or Keesaw. No, I assume when when, yeah, uh, when Harson when goes, Harson goes his, go. coordinator, his yeah. coordinators probably go with him. I think we have discovered, if anything, that Eric Keesaw has no ability to be an offensive coordinator whatsoever because they've gotten so badly outcoached the past two weeks, it ain't funny. They've gotten outcoached, but also, I, I mean, again, I'm going to – sound like a broken record but you can't block anybody it doesn't matter what plays you call you're right you can't block anybody but you know the talent you have and yeah, which is uh, little you, which is very gotta, little. yeah very little but you've got you've got a bunch of guys who came back for their you know the, this extra year who's like why'd they do that oh. including tank bigsby who could be playing for a national title at georgia right now are playing and being successful yeah. in the national title well, so, but, so the, the where I, where I, yeah i mean i agree the talent is not there and especially on the offensive line but it's the one thing that I've been saying. You have to understand that you don't have the talent there and they can't do certain things. But if you're going to be a great offensive mind, then you figure out ways. You you get the ball out of somebody's hands. You get the ball out of the quarterback's hands real quick. If you know that Tank Bigsby is the best player on the field, you can't just not have him touch the ball for large portions of the game. And I get it. If they're stacking the line and you can't block them and you can't run in the middle, then that's fine. Find a way to get him into space and, and get the ball to him and get the ball to him quick. If you're going to be a great offensive mind, you have to, you're paid a lot of money to figure these things out. You can't just throw your hands up and go, oh, well, they just were stopping that, so we got we just can't do it. No, you're being paid millions of dollars to be an offensive mind and figure out what to do with what you got, and they're just they're unable to do that right now. Uh, Tom, you just described what my father used to tell me as a little boy. He would say, find out what you do best and do your best at it. Sure. And yep. that's what you just described. That's exactly what you just described. And I would expect a bunch of guys that came back for extra under a, under another year under the same coach to be a little bit better. I agree. And Am I wrong not. for that? No, you're you're not wrong. Uh, the, you're not wrong. the biggest thing is that everyone talked about how much Auburn had coming back on this offensive line. The guys that started most of the games, three of the five of them are gone, and the two that are still here. I mean, Austin Troxel, he's he's still coming back. From, he's he's always hurt. Dead gummit, poor kid, and. and Brandon Council has gotten steadily worse because he's had injuries too. Uh, the two guys that you brought back that were starters for most of those games last year are, have been dealing with injuries about since the time they got on campus, and it's it's a tough ask. And the guys that you have brought in, Killian Zier has only been playing football for three years. Um, 
or three or four, something like that. He's not been playing very long. Uh, Tate Johnson, uh, young, way too young to be, way too young, way too inexperienced for all that Auburn's asking of him. And Cam Stutz has never started until this year. So for all the experience that people thought Auburn was going to have, they haven't had a lot of it. Okay, let me ask you about two guys on offense that we heard a lot about leading up the season. First of all, Landon King, he seems non-existent. Second one is a guy that seemed to disappear. That's Jeremiah Wright. Yeah, Jeremiah Wright was moved over. He's flipped back and forth from offense to defense as a depth piece. Recruited as an offensive lineman. Yeah, recruited as an offensive lineman, moved to defense last year, and moved back to offense this year. The mm-hmm. fact that he's flipped over and over like that makes me think, man, he's a good athlete, but there's something wrong between the not ears. Particularly great. Yeah. yeah. The, the, if if he was really really good at something, he would have stuck there by <clears throat> right, now. Right. Um. And Landon King. I mean, Landon. What people are obsessed with Landon King, and I understand why. What he's done has been fantastic. He just hasn't done a lot of it. And now you can argue, well, he has a, has he had the chance? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I would like to see more of Landon King. I understand why people yeah. are. I understand why people are upset that they haven't seen more of him. Yeah, let me let me say this, guys, in closing. Uh, coaches, and you guys already know this, have enormous egos. I mean gigantic-sized egos. And Brian Harson believes that what he did in Boise will work at Auburn, and it won't. And it will not until he can get the horses there, and then, then I don't think it will work. And he won't be allowed the time to, to, to get that. He won't be allowed the time to do that anyway if, it was, if, if that was even the scenario. But that, that's, that's what I'm saying. He, he's trying to make a, uh, what's he all saying, a square peg into a round hole that's or right. a round square. And so he just, he just can't do it. And, and, you know, people just seem to give him a pass. And, and at this point, I don't think he wants to be there. I know people that saw him on the sideline Saturday, and they said he looked like Coach he did not want to be there, that he wants it to be over. And that's people that were there watching him every play, every yeah. second of every game, just focused on him. And, and it's just a matter of time for the, 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 you know, the animals like me get, get out there and, 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 and say that publicly. It becomes, it becomes a note. It becomes something said. So it becomes widely known. Excuse me. Yeah, and it felt like there was a moment where we could be heading in that direction until a Missouri player fumbled going into the end zone untouched. So Yeah, by the way, have you guys ever seen a kicker that looks like you ought to be a bouncer at a bar? <laughs> I, I remember there was a kid at Penn State a couple of years ago, and he looked he had he had a kicker. similar build. Yeah. Georgia, well, the kicker at Penn State this year, the punter was like six seven, two thirty five. It's huge. Yeah, yeah you're right. Dude. Georgia Tech Georgia Tech had a punter. That yeah, was a they big did. Old, I remember big that. Kid that's now in the NFL. Right. Guys, you have a great day. Good to hear from you, Terry. That's Justice a, for the short guys with big bellies. 334-887-3401. Tiger 9. We go back to the phone lines. Russell from Auburn. Russell has called into Sports Call. Hi, Russell. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything that was just said, but, you know, I, the, the main thing is it, it kind of reminds me of Gus Malzahn. Like, they keep trying to run these inside running plays when they're not blocking anybody. So why not do something different? Why not? How many how many screens have we thrown to wide receiver? Uh, just, you you, just, you saw three or four on Saturday. I remember. Not enough I with mean, with the lack of offensive I mean, I production. There, I would have I tried more. Seeing hardly any. I mean, there may have been one or two. I mean, there you might be right, three or four. But I don't like like. Back some people, some Todd. In, do something. Get the ball out of his hands quick to the outside. Make them spread out. Make the defense spread out. You know, even if you put Tank Bigsby out there and throw him the ball, it's like an extension of the running game. But it, just running straight up into nothing is just absolutely horrible when you know it's not going to work. Especially that fourth down play. I mean, that was when I saw them line up. And he's under center, 
and they've got two tight ends, you know what's coming. You know Missouri knows what's coming. They're going to try and run right. If you're going to do that, just quarterback sneak it. I don't even think they can quarterback sneak. If you can't quarterback sneak for a yard, you've got problems. You know what I'm saying? I think think the biggest reason that they tried to go with that is they had gone for it on fourth down three times in the first half, and they made them all on inside running plays. But I'm with you. I don't like – I don't love the play call there. I I hesitate to think of a better one. When you need one yard, I don't want to put the ball in the air. Uh, Quarterback sneak, I think quarterback sneak would be great, but the fact is you've got two scholarship quarterbacks that are healthy right now. And you need to protect those guys. So I'm perfectly fine with yeah. it not being a sneak there. If you have, okay, then, then get in the shotgun, you've got a mobile quarterback, run the damn option, right? Well, Make you, had a, you had a fumble the on the option, the option earlier. You had a fumble run, on the run option. Run the read option. Run what? an option play that makes them play assignment football. And what, Okay, that gets me to my point. I think, and I've, I'd love for y'all to go around the room and just, your who is your, and I'll let y'all go after this, who is your top pick for head coach? Because, I mean, this is not if, but when. <laughs> Who is your top pick for head coach? Go around the room, and then I'll let y'all know mine. I, I mean, the guy the guy that I absolutely want to see here because I think it would be an instant game changer is Deion Sanders, and that's a guy that I have talked about for over a year now. That's who I want I, because I think it's instant excitement. I don't know how he would do on wins and losses, but as far as instant excitement, instant media notoriety, instant impact in the recruiting as far as being able to go and sit down with just about any recruit he would want to, it's Deion Sanders, and I'm not really sold on much of anybody else. I loudly said on this show in December of 2020 that I wanted Lane Kiffin to be the head coach of Auburn, and again here, still, all these months later, past December 2021, Lane Kiffin to be yeah. the guy. I'm, I'm with JJ. I want Lane Kiffin like I want air to breathe because <laughs> I think he does everything that Deion Sanders does, except he's... <laughs> He's more of a proven head coach. He has done it in the SEC. And the other thing is, people are talking about, well, Ole Miss is in a better situation. Yeah, but they're not a better school. You can't win a championship at Ole Miss, uh, but you definitely can at Auburn. So I want Lane Kiffin. Cam? Yeah, and I'm with J.J. and Brent. Honestly, Lane Kiffin just seems like such a – he would be a a pretty solid fit here at Auburn. I mean, you said everything right there, Brent. You know, he knows the SEC, and, and, and Ole Miss is not a better school than Auburn. Okay, I've got one for you guys, and, and I don't disagree with Lane Kiffin or Deion Sanders or whoever or Hugh Freeze. I don't disagree with any of you guys. Like, I don't want Hugh Freeze. I don't want Hugh Freeze either. Hugh Freeze would be a I've rehash got, of Gus Malzahn. Exactly. I've got a guy that nobody has mentioned that I've I've heard that the only checkbox he doesn't check is being a head coach. He's young. He's got SEC experience. He runs the football. Okay, and he comes from. A great program that got in trouble. Kendall Browse. Hmm. That's who I would go get. If it was me, I'd go get Kendall Browse. He's my age. He's 39 years old, about to be 40. He runs a darn good offense. Arkansas is not what Arkansas is right now without Kendall Browse. Prove me wrong. I mean, their offense is – they should have won that game against Texas A&M. If they don't – if they don't Superman try to do whatever they did and fumble and not tackle the guy and all that, they win that game. They should have won it not even without that play. They should have won the game. But 
I mean, that kicker was like 85% in his entire career and yeah. just yeah. hit the top of the putt. Unbelievable how that happened. Yeah. But I've never seen that before. That's the most insane Absolutely thing crazy. I've ever no, seen. They, they, like a they, one in a million. That, thing I was going to say, that guy That guy could try that kick a thousand times and will never hit never. the at the upper, the top part of a goalpost. But, but remember when Art Browse was at Baylor, how dominant Baylor was. I mean, they were a perennial ten, top ten team, and Kendall was the offensive coordinator. True. You know? So, I mean, for me, I mean, yes, he has not been a head coach. But if you want an offense that's going to come in and run the football, that's what Auburn taking a shot to on. me, any, any team that wants to play big boy football, you've got to be like Georgia. You've got to run the football, okay? And the only reason Alabama doesn't run the football anymore is because they've got Bryce Young. You know, I mean, Alabama used to be the team that ran the football down your throat. And it's ball control, and if you can't stop it, like, what they've got at Arkansas, I, I just – I think that Arkansas is a little underrated. I, they should have won that game. I think they're going to give Alabama all they want to because they can run the football. And they're not going to win. I'm not, I, I will not say that anybody's going to beat Alabama this year until I see it because they, they are, they're unbelievable. If they're it, Within one score, they're going to win the game because the referees are going to put the, the – flag in the pocket and they're going to get no you know no call whatever whatever happened against Auburn last year like all that stuff all they're going to drive down they're going to kick a field goal just like they did Texas and they're going to win the game that's just what I've seen so until I see something else I don't I don't think anybody's going to beat Alabama I mean, maybe Georgia but Arkansas is going to have a chance Saturday okay and the reason is because of their offense I mean I just I think Kendall Browse and that's that's who I would say because I, I don't know how feasible it is for Auburn to go get Lane Kiffin or Deion. Some of Sanders these other names. Yeah, no, I love that idea. I, I definitely think that'd be worth taking a shot and All trying right, to guys. get them. Hey, guys. Russell, I got to know this, though. Oh, uh, what's up? When do you turn 40? April. April. Wow. what a, We're going to have to celebrate that with you, brother. April 29 next year. Yeah, I'll be I'll be 40. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Good to hear from you. We appreciate the call. All right, that's Russell from Auburn joining us there on the. You program. know, I don't I don't hate the Kendall Bryles idea. He checks a lot of no, ideas. He's no, a, he's a young, up and comer. He's a good offensive coordinator. Has had success as an OC. My only thing is I don't I credit more of Arkansas success to Sam Pittman than I do Kendall Bryles. Not yeah. not like I hate Kendall Bryles. Obviously. Kendall Bryles has been under Sam Pittman, so he's learning. But Sam Pittman is the guy who's going out and getting those massive offensive linemen, and that's the biggest reason for their success. The other th- is Kendall Bryles calling plays. I don't know. I don't, don't know, know who's that. calling plays yeah. for Arkansas. It, it might be Sam Pittman. It might be Kendall Bryles. But either way, like of of a lot of names that I've heard, I've heard thrown out. I'd want him more than Hugh Freeze. I want Kendall Bryles more I don't than want Hugh Freeze. no. I don't. I don't, I don't want Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is Gus Malzahn with more baggage and a smaller trophy case. Saturday Down South story today: Sam Pittman continues to defend Kendall Bryles' play calling. Okay, as the season continues. Okay, so he is calling plays. All right, fair enough. But apparently, he's already having to defend his play calling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the other thing is, I KJ Jefferson. I don't think that was a bad play. I think KJ Jefferson did a, made a stupid yeah. play, yeah. trying to jump from the five over somebody. Yeah, yeah. Not not your best. I move. just I, I Lane Kiffin would generate excitement. Kendall Bryles would not generate a lot not of as excitement. Much. And, and as one much. of the things this program needs is a, a a shot, a boost of adrenaline or something. Two things. One, off topic. What's it like to turn 40? <laughs> uh, it was just another birthday. And two, speaking of birthdays, speaking of age, November 10th, 
Yep. This fall. Yep. You will celebrate a birthday. Yep. Kendall Bryles will also celebrate a birthday. He turns oh. 40 on November 10th. And you know you what? share a birthday and, with And Kendall you know Bryles. what else on the on November the 10th? What's that? We will all be celebrating together at Southwest Fire Department oh, for the chili dinner. Let's do some chili. Oh, <laughs> let's do some chili. We got a break. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's keep moving forward here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Canberry, and Brant Daughtry as we get closer to uh, the end of the program today. Of course, we've got to get to best and worst of the weekend, and uh, your thoughts are always welcome on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 to be a part of the program. Auburn, a winner on Saturday. They won 17-14 to against Missouri. They're now 3-1 and on the year, and they'll be back in action on Saturday against LSU. Happening later today, we'll see the Braves open up a three-game set with the Washington Nationals. Fellas, nine games left in the regular season for Atlanta who trail by one and a half games behind the New York Mets for the National League Eastern Division lead. you got this series with the Nationals, but then in, later in this week you've got the huge series with yeah. the Mets coming that, to Atlanta. That'll, that'll probably decide it, it if, if, if we win all three against sure. the Nationals, provided that. Well, that and, and you also hope the Mets maybe drop one. Yeah. You'd, like, you'd, like to go, you'd like to go into that series tied. That way if yeah. you sweep, then, then it is done. Yeah. Uh, the way they've been going, they just keep mat- they still keep matching wins for losses. Yeah. Um, every time one wins, the other wins, and one loses, the other loses. It's just, yep. eh. but um, big series coming up for the Braves trying to stay right there with the Mets, and it should be a series that the Braves take care of. Even though, I mean, I get it; it's on the road, but the Braves have been playing well on the road. Eat that dub. No, uh, eat it. And uh, are the. How many day games are of these three? Oh, <laughs> I assume that every Not game many. in that series against the Net, the Mets is going to be probably nationally broadcasted. Yeah. Oh, I'm just talking about the ones with the Nationals. Oh, the Nationals I, I think know. they're all night games. Okay, well, that's good because we mean, all know the Braves absolutely stink in daytime yeah. games. Yeah. So It's it's t- a good time to go on a nine-game win streak here. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Get, get, on, get on a streak, take care of the Nationals, and then face the Mets because I think it's the Marlins to wrap up it the is. regular season. a three-game series. So, um yeah, I mean, take care of business against the Nationals, and then man, that 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 series against the Mets at Truist Park that that's going to be appointment. That is going to be playoff atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Good heavens! Yeah, Braves are actually done with night games, or excuse me, done with done, day done games. with day games. Yeah, okay. done with good. day games. Good, good, I was going to say you just scared me. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that would be terrifying. We're screwed. Yep, yeah. we're done. Yeah, we're we're all done done with day games. All the games are going to be in the evening. Uh, the earliest that we'll have is that last game against the Marlins that we're going to play at three three ten. So here's the other thing with the Braves, and man, I, I, talk about some uh, a fan base that you just can't seem to please. I mean, the Braves are are winning games and all, but 
Man, talk about some fan base just crapping all over Matt Olson right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're giving him a hard time yeah. because he's not living he, up to Freddie. Freddie yeah, Lambert's. but I mean, he's but he never, he never has. That. He was never expected yeah, to yeah, live yeah, up yeah. to what Freddie he, is. He was just to be a good first baseman, yeah. which is exactly what he is, and to hit about 250 and above. That's yeah. really what you yeah. want. But I thought you he had want, been you doing 270, maybe 35, yeah. 35 yeah. or 40 home runs, maybe. I had. I thought he had been doing fine, and he was in the good graces of the fans. And yeah, sure, it wasn't Freddie Freeman, but like the amount of vitriol oh, that yeah. I have seen, yeah. like thrown his way yeah. over like the last week, and he, maybe he I, has I'm not a cold streak. Well, the thing is, I've been very bad. It's been the worst month of his entire career. Okay, well, see, the absolute worst month of his entire, and it's not even close. And see, I've been so focused on football that I haven't gotten a chance to watch as much Braves as I'd like to, just because I watch so much football. Right. Uh, so then, that would make sense. But I mean, it, I mean, so he's 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 in a slump right now. You know, of the worst of his career. But I mean, wow, Braves fans have just crapped all over him. It still blows my mind that Brian Snitker is one of the most hated people by the by the Braves <laughs> fan base, Dude, and the man has won. He won what, four, four division titles in a row. He's and won a World, World series. series. He's got us in the playoff for a fifth straight year. It's it's insane the amount of Dude. hate that people have for Brian Snitker. Fans say that that we've done all of that in spite of Snitker. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't believe. You know, some. I mean, I'm no, not going to say I believe. You with, cannot I, win a World yeah, Series and, with a bad manager no, because and, when you and, get to the playoffs, pitcher management is right, so is important. Exactly what matters. And he nailed it last year, and it yes. also helped that everybody in that bullpen was going absolutely crazy. slaughtered. Yeah, they turned it on for sure. So they start a series with Washington later tonight. Three games coming up, and then, of course, we'll see them play the Mets starting this weekend and what yeah. will be a major series for the Braves. Tomorrow on our week. website, we'll have our Braves notebook, the Tiger.fm, and it will be shared on social media yeah. as well. All right, before we end today's program, let's do best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. All right, Tom Peavy, why don't you start us off? Give me something that was uh, pretty bad about this weekend. What was the worst of the weekend? Oh, man. One of the worst. Let's see. I, I mean, I could just talk about Auburn uh, in the second right? half. <laughs> All right. That's, I mean, that's about as bad a football as you could possibly ask for. It was pretty bad. I mean, I there's nothing else to say about that. That's just... That's just Awful football, and and really, I can, I'm sitting there saying Auburn, both of those teams in the second half, bad. That was like some of the worst bad. football oh, bad, that bad. you could possibly I was, watch. I was in the and, and then, of, and then of course, Missouri has every single chance to win that game, and they just self destruct every single chance that they have. Just that, let's just go with that as a worst. The second half of Auburn, Missouri. Some of the worst football you could ever possibly imagine. So do I just give the answer for everybody because I'm willing to do that right now. Here we go. Best and worst of the weekend. Worst of the weekend. We want to talk about the offensive performance from Auburn in the second half. Uh, but let's all agree our butt punt that we saw yesterday in the Dolphins and Bills game. I, I, had a, I had a different one. And I also had a different one. Okay, well, that was wild. The dude, I mean, that was insane. Like, the freeze frame, it looks like he's birthing a football. Right. Yeah. At first, Thomas Morstead has one of the strongest legs. Directly backwards. Sure. Oh, however, yeah, however that, that was not the worst play in the NFL over the weekend. No, no, that's... The other one was going to be my worst. Jimmy of the Garoppolo yes, is Jimmy where G. we want to go. Yeah, that was going to be that was going to be my worst of the yeah. weekend. Orlovsky is like one of the happiest dudes ever because <laughs> yeah, now he's so no funny. longer the right. guy. 
That was so yeah. funny. I because when he when he went to the do, do the drop back and he turned around and came back, I was like, he's going back really deep into the end zone to be doing a drop like that. Steps all the way back and boop. And I was like, oh, he Too really far. did it. He really did it. He did Too it. Too far. Just Is that what you it. were gonna say? No, mine was going to be. We are. We talked about okay, it. With I'm sorry Russell. for speaking for everybody. No, no, no. It's no, fine go, because dude, you're yeah. right. That was pretty fantastic. But uh, I was going to go with. Uh, we talked about it with Russell a minute ago. The Arkansas kicker hitting the top of the upright Pretty epic. was just insane. And Tom said it. He could kick that field goal a thousand more times. He would never yeah, do never. that on purpose. What never. about five thousand more times? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, maybe once or twice. Oh, maybe I don't five thousand is a lot of field goals. Slim, maybe. That what is, about ten thousand more like, times? Probably at that, at that point. We're we're getting weird. We're getting very weird <laughs> yeah. with these. When you get to point. where you're actually trying to do that, then maybe in ten thousand you you might ding it up there a yeah. couple times. But I mean, to literally hit we'll the never top, see that again. And for that was the, epic. For those that aren't listening, all right, I'm sorry. For those that are for those that are listening that did. Why not aren't see you listening it, to us? What are you doing anyway? Then? For those that are listening but did not see it, when we're saying hit the top of the goalpost, we don't mean like hit the top part of the upright. We no, mean it came literally down top, on the top like, circle, li- like where the flag, the little flag sits. Yeah. It it literally Insane. hit that part of the goalpost. Of that shot straight up in the air and then came down Forward. into the in, into yep. the end zone. The wrong way. So when we say hit the top of the goalpost, literally the top of the upright is what the ball hit. What was the best of the weekend? Uh, I got to go with pool holes. That was epic. Yeah, that was pretty cool. cool. Pujols hit, uh, getting 700. Not only that, but he hit 699 and 700 in the, in, the same same, in the same game. The only thing that stinks about it is like, any time you have a monumental thing like that, I want it to happen at, at, in their yeah. home stadium. Yeah. Like Hank Aaron's home run. Yeah, it was great. But what made that even better is the fact that it was in Fulton County Stadium. And, the two and, dudes and, rounding second with him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's part of what yeah. made that so epic. Um and so yeah, the fact that he hit six ninety nine and seven hundred, he become what the was it sixth player ever? I think was it's fewer than that. I thought it was, was four. It four? four. Yeah, I, four. I, I couldn't remember. It was six or four. It's him, Bonds, Ruth, and Aaron. Are okay. Yeah, four. A Rod yep. got to six ninety six and retired. Right. So so he gets to seven hundred. But, but unfortunately, four you know, more. Like I said, unfortunately, it was anything it was, that gets him out of the booth. Yeah. yeah. It, it was not in there. Same. I, I got another battle. I just got to mention the biscuits got eliminated. So. No more biscuits baseball for this year. They they won their first game uh, that me and Michelle went to. Uh, and then you stopped less, going and they started losing. Well, they but well they were in Pensacola. They it was a okay. three game it's a three game playoff series. They won the first one. All they needed to do is win one of the next two, but they they got beat by Pensacola Blue Wahoos uh, in those next two to get eliminated. And then uh, the Rocket City Trash Pandas also got eliminated, and they had uh. won. They had won the North and South, or the one their North they Division. Were pretty good, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. won the North Division in the first and second half of the season. Everybody really thought they would win it, but uh, they got beat by the uh, Tennessee Smokies, yeah. I believe, is who they were playing. Brant so, Camp, best of the weekend. My best of the weekend is going to go to the fact that the Texas A&M defender was getting wrapped up, was about to be tackled and then had the presence of mind to hand the ball off to his much faster teammate. The wherewithal. That was awesome. Good play. Good play. Cam? Falcons. 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 There's some winners, man. They tried to falcon it. They They tried to falcon it, but Geno Smith threw a really, really bad pass and got picked off, and I'm happy. He did, but it was due to the pressure of the defense. So you know what? I'm with it. It was just a bad throw. No, he was moving. He he overthrew it by about 15 yards. He did overthrow it. And worst of the weekend, let us know what you think was best and worst on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Other best. I got my first win in fantasy this weekend. And we'll take that. Let's take our last time out of today's show. Sports Call continues. 
us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Winding down today's episode of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show, J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. Hope that everyone is doing well on this Monday. Again, coming up tomorrow, we're going to have conversations with a lot of people. Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Chris Busher from the NASCAR Cup Series. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will be on Sports Call as well. As uh, Yeah, we've got a fun week here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. You just scheduled everybody while I'm not going to be here, yeah, didn't it's you? crazy, man. It's Thanks. crazy. Appreciate the, the show, the, it. <laughs> some days you aren't here, Tom, and, and folks want us to continue doing this sports talk show. So we do everything possible we can to keep that moving. Uh, we will have Borgard football on Thursday this week. Thursday Ooh. is when Borgard football will air on our sister station, Kate, 99.9 FM. Thursday night we'll have micro wrestling at 730 here on Tiger 95.9 I'm FM. so excited for uh, that. That's always oh, a, always that, a blast. Right? I am, yeah. Oh. Me, so, me, Brooks Childress, and uh, one of our station DJs, James Chandler. Oh, Before that's be so we get out of here, let's uh, give you our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. The Sports Call nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom Peavy, what is on television? All right, tonight at 6 p.m. on Nickelodeon is Despicable Me 2. When Gru, who everybody uh, says I look like, <laughs> the, oh my gosh, <laughs> the world's you see cannot be unseen. <laughs> oh my the world's most super bad turned super dad has been recruited by a team of officials to stop lethal muscle and a host of Gru's own. He has to fight back with new. Gadgetry, cars, and uh, more minion madness. Despicable Me 2, 6 p.m. on Nickelodeon. Minions! Uh, as we mentioned, a little baseball. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are taking on the Washington Nationals up in Washington. 6.05 p.m. on Bally Sports. The Braves enter tonight's game. Trail the New York Mets by one and a half games in the, North, in the uh, NL East. Only nine game remain for the Braves in the regular season. Bryce Elder gets a start for the Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr. returns to the starting lineup in right field. Go Braves beat the Nationals. At 7 p.m. on USA, for all you wrestling fans, WWE Monday Night Raw. WWE Monday Night Raw comes live from Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta. Raw women's champion Bianca Belair will continue her crusade against damage control tonight when stepping into the ring with EO Sky. Is All it right. EO or IO? EO. Ask Bill Bailey. Yeah. I don't know. Wrestling. Wrestling. From Canada. Tussling. That's right. All right. Uh, 7 p.m. tonight on TNT Avengers Endgame. After half of all life is snapped away by Thanos, the Avengers are left scattered and divided. Now, with a way to reverse the damage, the Avengers and their allies must assemble once more and learn to put differences aside in order to work together and set things right. So that's 7 p.m. on TNT That's Avengers like Endgame. Every Avengers movie. 
And I like the Avengers, but that just that described every single Avengers movie. Well, <laughs> well Thanos snapped half the world away. We, well, okay, we gotta oh, fix that, that one's, part. That one's kind of unique, but the Avengers but must the, the Avengers it, must reassemble and put their differences okay, aside fair. to make things right. Very like, fair. Yeah, yeah, that that about covers it. Uh, Monday Night Foosball, Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants, seven fifteen p.m. on the ESPN. The New the York, Espen. the Espen, the New York Giants are one of only three remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. As they host the Cowboys, yes, I said that right. The New York Giants are still undefeated. Maybe not Maybe <laughs> not for long. Cooper Rush will start again at quarterback for Dallas in place of the injured Dak Prescott as Dallas looks to pick up their second win of the season. The Giants are favored by one point tonight, according to Las Vegas Sportsbook. So tune in to ESPN 715 as the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants take, take on each other in Monday Night Football. I will be thinking of our good friend James from Montgomery. There we go. 7.30 p.m. on Freeform and National Treasure Book of Secrets. Nick Cage. There you go. Benjamin Gates, played by Nicolas Cage, must follow a clue left in John Wilkes Booth's diary to prove his ancestors' innocence in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Originally released in 2007, National Treasure Book of Secrets is the second movie in the series. At 8 p.m. on CNBC, you can watch Shark Tank. If you don't know by now, this is the show that features a panel of investors called Sharks who decide whether to invest as entrepreneurs, uh, make business presentations on their company or product. That's Shark Tank on CNBC at 8 p.m. And finally, on NBC at 9 p.m. is Quantum Leap. After 30, uh, 30 years after Dr. Sam Beckett vanished into the Quantum Leap Accelerator, Dr. Ben Siong and a revamped team begin a thrilling journey of their own. After nearly 30 years, the reboot trend finally catches up to the timeless time-tripping fantasy that made Scott Bakula star during the original 1989-93 run. Be sure to watch Quantum Leap Night, 9 p.m. on NBC. That's a lot of good stuff, That's a lot of good stuff. We like details. And and that is your nightly TV guy. Bright. 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 Brought to you by... By White Claw Hard Seltzer. There you go. Stop by your local TK's convenience store for a variety pack. I've never asked this before. Are you a seltzer guy, Tom? No. Does Tom look like a seltzer guy? No, I just thought maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Does Gru drink seltzer? Absolutely not. It's a kid's movie. Gru doesn't drink. There could be a 15% chance that he was. I've never had one, but I I saw it referred to. It's like drinking TV static while somebody yells out a fruit from another room. That's LaCroix. (laughs) That's LaCroix. (laughs) Oh, man. Thanks for being here, Tom. Enjoyed it. I'll Brent be back We'll see you guys later in the week. Yes, Thank sir. you for having That's me. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much to everyone who tuned in and called in. Thanks again to Jason Caldwell for joining us here on Sports Call. For Cam Berry, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.